Episode 116 of Shanlin on Batman. I'm your host, Justin Shanlin. We have Kyle Davis and Sean Gerber. Welcome to the show, Sean, for our special Dark Knight 10-year retrospective. Now, before everyone jumps in, I have some... I usually I never do, like, long intros, but this is one of the one of the few occasions that I will uh, do a long intro. The Dark Knight is the movie that I had prayed since I was a little kid of the bat film that I'd always wanted to see. I love Batman. I love Batman returns. I have a soft spot for Batman and Robin and I absolutely adore Batman begins, but I wanted the everyone to respect a Batman film. Like we got with the dark Knight, where everyone went to see that movie. I remember going like two weeks later with a boss of mine, because he had not seen it. I was like, you have to see The Dark Knight. And we went at like two in the afternoon on a Saturday. And it was still sold out. We had to wait like five hours to see the movie. This movie has done more for the superhero genre than I think any other superhero film since Superman the movie, Batman 89, this movie not only did that, but it changed the way that the Oscars are even run because people were so upset that this film did not get Oscar nominated other than Heath. It got Oscar nominated for Heath Ledger's uh, performance, obviously won. They won a few other like technical Oscars, but for not winning or not being nominated for Best Picture, you know, the industry decided, well, we kind of F this one over, so... This movie, like, there's so much to talk about and there's so much to say. Like, this is going to be a, one of the longer episodes. This might be actually the longest episode <laughs> we've ever done. So um, with that being said, I'm really excited to talk about it. It was the movie that I had always wanted to see. And the fact that we are 10 years removed from The Dark Knight and that it still holds up. And the and Heath Ledger's performance is still that amazing, just floors me. There's so much reverence for the Dark Knight. There's so much love and passion for this movie. And like there's when we start talking about one thing I'm gonna bring up is the aura that surrounded this film from the moment the movie was announced to the moment that Heath Ledger was cast to them filming in Chicago with the IMAX cameras, you know, the viral marketing, Heath Ledger's passing, actually seeing the movie, and then talking about, like, what was going to come next. That movie, for a moment in time, will always be remembered as the movie of 2008. There's a lot of movies that came out in 2008. Now, remember, Iron Man came mm -hmm. out a month or two earlier, and people were blown away by that. And I didn't know, like, how good the Dark... No one, like... People were, like, speculating how good the Dark Knight was and how good Heath Ledger's performance was. But until you were in that theater 
until the lights went dim and you saw that first shot panning over Chicago and that burst of the glass from the bank robbery. Like that's the, the one of the, I'll say this, that was the only time I've ever heard an audience gasp at an opening shot. When they see that first, that first shot painting over Chicago, the entire audience went, oh, I, and I, I saw that bef- like in the prologue months before they did that same thing. Mm-hmm. So let's get right into it. There's a lot to talk about it. Thank you, Sean, for coming on. That was a long winded, uh, <laughs> intro but like this movie i'm so passionate about and i love so much that it just it had to given its due so sean after mm-hmm. batman begins yep came out there wasn't a lot of talk like everyone was kind of curious what was going to happen because chris nolan holds a lot of things to the, close to the vest i think the movie did what it did like 373 million at the box office something like it was that. it was successful but it wasn't it wasn't the I, I think they were looking for a little bit more money at the box office. So it was always oh, I think it, I, I actually think it was Warner Brothers reacted to Batman Begins perfectly, which okay. unfortunately is not what they do anymore. But I right. think they reacted to <laughs> Batman Begins beautifully, which is that, no, it didn't break the bank, but everybody who saw it liked it mm-hmm. and they had the wisdom at the time to see and understand that a big part of the reason Batman Begins did not do as well uh, as maybe it should have as it deserved to based on its quality is because a lot of people still were skeptical of the franchise after the Schumacher era, specifically Batman and Robin. So they were paying that Batman and Robin, they're paying their penance sort of with Batman and Robin still, even though it had been eight years. And also at the time, Batman Begins, as far as mainstream audiences are concerned, really began the concept of the reboot. And in fact, mm-hmm. mainstream audiences didn't under, even understand it, that it was a reboot. Most of them still thought it was a prequel. Uh, and I know a lot of people who still thought that The Dark Knight was just a remake of Batman 89, not a completely <laughs> new uh, continuity that had started with Batman Begins. Like So many people just weren't with that concept yet, uh, because it was still a relatively new thing. And... And also, it's it's important to keep in mind though that this is a this is a pre Avengers superhero genre, and it's really important to point that out because pre Avengers and also pre Dark Knight, you didn't have mo- most of these superhero movies were not making six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred million, topping a billion. Obviously, the Dark Knight was the first one to ever hit a billion dollars, and it didn't hit a billion dollars in its initial run. It hit a billion dollars when they did a January re-release for the mm-hmm. Oscar campaign. So, Batman Begins, but by comparison now, Bat- you would look at Batman Begins and go, 373 million. Oh, geez, that's like Han Solo. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> or Rampage. But, yeah, but or skyscraper. At, the time, at the time, it was a decent result. Yes, they would have wanted more, but they understood why they didn't get more. But people, the people who saw it liked it, so they really believed that. And, and also, the marketing for Batman Begins, super understated, which was not the case for Dark Knight, as we're going to discuss. But uh, Batman Begins was very low-key, and it just had this approach of, look, we're just going to earn the audience back with a good movie. We don't know when they're going to see it. Maybe they're not going to watch it in the theater at all, which a lot of people didn't. But we'll catch them on a rental. We'll catch them on HBO. We'll th- we will find them at some point, and they will be ready for the next one. And that's exactly what happened. If you and, 
it's if you make a good movie, it may not find the audience right away, but it will find the audience. And right, unfortunately, right. we it sucks. The the only thing that makes me frustrated by that is it's a perfect lesson. And yet the studio that like showed they have that knowledge no longer seen. I know it's different people leading it now, but like it's it shows they don't have that same set of knowledge. We're just, you know, if you tell the right story, the audience will show up eventually. Or if you tell well, good stories. Right. I remember going to see Batman Begins on opening day. It was a rainy Friday. For some reason, I got the day off from work. I had just graduated high school. I was driving a blue 93 Caravan. I remember this shit, you guys. <laughs> I remember this. And I went with my buddy Eric, and the movie theater was like half empty. I'm like, this is a Batman movie, for goodness sakes. What is going on? And I just remember, I was like, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. And we see the bat flutter. And then you see young Bruce fall. And then that first time that, you know, uh, Henry Ducard, spoilers, Rachel Ghoul goes, you know, Mr. Wayne or whatever he's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, Bruce Wayne's on the big screen again. It was it was amazing for me because I it think was. that, that might have been like the first Batman. That was probably the first Batman film that I've seen in the theaters where I was like aware that it was like a Batman film. Because I was one when 89 came out. I know I went and saw Batman Returns, but my parents told me I fell asleep. I didn't see Batman Forever or Batman and Robin in theaters. I only I only got them on VHS. And so when Batman Begins came out, it was like my first experience seeing the film, a Batman film, on the big screen like that. So I was like, please don't suck, please don't suck. And it was incredible. Like, I love how earnest the film was, the action was, you know, understated, mm -hmm. the Tumblr was amazing. You didn't know what to expect because, like you said, Sean, it was the first, you know, quote-unquote reboot. And now that it's so commonplace, you know, yep. now we're talking about, well, are they going to reboot, you know, the DCU right now? Like, what's going on? Like, Yeah, they've just like, rebooted. We've seen them reboot Spider-Man a couple mm -hmm. times. We've seen... I don't know how many times the Ninja Turtles have been rebooted now. Transformers are headed in that direction. I mean, and it's just, it's honestly like this gift to studios in that they can say, hey, look, if we screw it up so bad, we can just try to wipe the slate clean and start over. And I guess there's something to that. And you know what? It's true. I, I, I like it. I don't think you have to keep movies in canon when they suck. You know, like, <laughs> But I also don't think you need to have a total reboot to do that. You can just ignore the events of movies. Fox has been doing that forever with the X-Men movies. Even <laughs> ignore continuity. So who gives a shit? Um, but I, I honest, but when you to talk about the Dark Knight, like the hype train for that movie actually started before Batman Begins even came out because in the months leading up to Batman Begins, there had been rumors, but then also I believe David Goyer had even said that he had even talked about them having, uh, that they kind of had an idea. Obviously, Christopher Nolan was never going to say this, but David mm -hmm. Goyer is not as tight-lipped as Christopher Nolan, at least not at that point in time. And it's probably why, you know, Nolan probably maybe eventually told him to be quiet. But <laughs> um, obviously, they still had a good, great working relationship. But, uh, you know, he had talked to, you know, there was, there were some comments from him and there was also rumors and I can't remember how much was from direct quotes versus how much was rumor. But the idea was out there before begins came out that the second film would have the Joker and the third film would be the trial of the Joker where Harvey Dent would become two face. And you would almost have this 
kind of Silence of the Lambs thing of mm -hmm. Batman kind of talking to the consulting with the Joker to try and catch Harvey Dent. And largely, we want you. You can actually see if you look at the events of The Dark Knight those two ideas kind of got sandwiched together into one movie. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, specific differences, but the general idea, uh, all those things got condensed to, uh, ended up being condensed to one film when they actually tried to, when they actually went to write a story and a script. But the main point there, though, was that everybody knew that the Joker, or no, I don't know about everybody, but a lot of us knew that the Joker was going to be in the second, in, in the second film, it had also leaked online before the movie came out about the Joker card incident. The Ra's al Ghul turn also leaked. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I, seeing that. I, I, I read that. I was lucky enough. I, I did not see that one, so that got to be a surprise for me in the movie. But the Joker card absolutely was not because I was totally in tune with all the Joker stuff. And so we already had rumored casting choices before Begins came out, before there was a Joker card. Uh, it was... An Australian actor who nobody knew at the time, and still nobody knows because he didn't get the role. Lockie <laughs> Hume. I remember. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Mm -hmm. uh, and also Crispin Glover. Those were like the three initial early rumor people. And then Batman Begins came out, and the first name that came that emerged after Batman Begins came out was Sean Penn. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's still some belief that even though Nolan swears that Heath was his one and only offer, the only person he talked to about the role, there's still some belief out there that he actually did go to Sean Penn first, and then, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Thankfully. Uh, I'm, I'm inclined to believe Nolan. I, I don't, you know, I don't need, feel the need to... And, and if, if he went to Sean Penn first, who cares? A lot, of the, a lot of the actors you love in iconic roles, they weren't the first choice. <laughs> like, certain things just work out for a reason sometimes. Um, and then... Another name that surfaced and became that really had a lot of heat, and it kind of became a two-man show for a while. Uh, Lockie Hume kept popping back up, uh, mm -hmm. but the other name that was probably the most persistent amongst the in the rumor mill besides Lockie Hume was Paul Bettany. And yeah, uh, and I remember because I was and and I would like I was obsessed with this because. I'm a Batman fan because of the Joker, and that's why The Dark Knight was always so important to me. Uh, is because I, I mean, look, I saw Batman the Batman '89 when I when it was in theaters. I was almost just shy of being six years old, and I loved it. Don't get me wrong; it was a big Batman movie, and I wasn't that harsh of a critic at the time. But there was always something about Jack's Joker that just wasn't quite right for me. Like it was great, and I loved it, but it just wasn't all the way there. So my main Joker growing up, besides Joker and the comics, it was still a little bit of Cesar Romero from the 66 uh, series, because that's what got me into it was Cesar Romero's Joker is probably the biggest reason that I ever became a Batman fan. And then you had Mark Hamill, of course, from Batman, the animated series. So I wanted I desperately wanted another like a, a truly great live action Joker that was just kind of everything I dreamed the character would be. And spoiler alert for later in the show, Heath ended up doing that. So um, <laughs> but because of that, like I was super like into like, who are they going to get to play the Joker? And anytime I heard a name, like if I didn't know why they were looking at that name, like I bought. I had to buy from like Australian Amazon, like movies that Lockie Hume was in so I could actually watch and be like, why the hell do people think this guy can play the Joker? Uh, and then same thing with Paul Bettany. I obviously was familiar with Paul Bettany because uh, he'd had been in films that we that we had seen at that point. But uh, everybody was talking about this movie called Gangster Number One. And that was like his Joker 
and it wasn't a Joker audition. I mean, he made that movie long before I think even Nolan was doing Batman Begins. But uh, and he was great in that. So I will say to this day, like Paul Bettany had kind of emerged as my favorite amongst those who were in the actual rumor mill. Uh, and I still think he would be one hell of a Joker in some other universe somewhere. I know now there's probably tons of reasons why it wouldn't happen because it's been, I mean, well, 10 years since Dark Knight came out, but it's been a, a decade and a half since he would have been possibly in the running for it. Uh, not that, I mean, he could be an older actor. He's he's still not that old. But, I mean, one day I think Paul Bettany could do it, and he would have been a decent cho choice as the Joker, but nowhere near uh, anything else. There were other names that got kicked around. Uh, Vince Vaughn had a little heat for like two seconds. Uh, and that, I, don't rem I don't remember that one at all. That, that one petered out, uh, but it was there for half a second. There was also, and I think this was just more driven because Nolan made Insomnia. There was some Robin Williams mm -hmm. uh, in there. But the other thing to keep in mind with The Dark Knight is we're going through the rumor mill is there were rumors about that movie like a few months after Begins came out, like before Begins even hit DVD. Uh, where it was, I mean, there was talk of Penguin's going to be an arms dealer in this movie too. Oh, and Black Mask is going to be in the movie. It's not just going to be Joker. There were all kinds of rumors uh, about this movie because this was like the wild, wild west days of, of like comic book movie reporting on the internet. <laughs> like if anybody heard anything, they reported it instantly. Yep. Um, but it didn't spread as fast though. So some people won't remember all these things because it, I mean, I think this was too, well, no, I don't know. Well, this was still 2005 still. We're not even at the 2007 viral campaign. So this is like pre-Twitter. And I think this is, was Facebook around then? I think MySpace was. Was Facebook around in 05? I, I know MySpace was, and I think Facebook. Yeah. I think Facebook started off like in 2004. Okay. So, um, you know, but, but nerds weren't sharing their passions there yet. Like the nerds were still on the message boards because that's what they, that's what we had before social media is we had message boards. That was how we found each other. And so like, that was where, but so like everybody would like take whatever they found from whatever website, whatever rumor, throw it on the message board. Now everybody's talking about it and getting riled up about it and whatever else. Like it was just kind of a, I, if you think now it's crazy with like rumors and stuff like that online with social media, it's actually a little more controlled now because I think people actually have a, a little bit more of a, a healthy skepticism with comic book movie rumors than we did you know, a decade and a half ago where we were just buying everything. <laughs> well, the, what the great thing about Twitter is, is that let's say that a rumor is out there. It can be squashed immediately on yeah. Twitter. So that wasn't then like you, at, once you heard, like, I remember seeing, you know, something about like a human. He was actually the guy I want. I was like, I want someone who's completely unknown to be the Joker, mm -hmm. someone who can crush it. I didn't care who it was. Um, but but back then, it was like when a name popped up, you didn't hear anything for like weeks to months. Like it was mm -hmm. just like dead silence. So people would do like reviews or, you know, of their movies or like this is why this guy would be the perfect Joker. A yep. little bit of like today, but um, like it's just there's no one out there who could like squash the rumors. Like you don't see like, like I saw the other day, like Umberto was on Twitter. Nope, squashed it. That's not happening. So yeah, like that it was, wasn't that didn't happen. Like you had to just go on, you just had to go on like any websites and just like, oh, that's happening. Because I remember like you, Sean, like any any Batman news coming up with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Dark Knight, and I re I just remember like even like the other like uh, p potential like titles for the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, people were like, 
should the the title of the movie should be like i remember seeing people a bunch of websites put posting uh you know uh polls for like vote for the next batman yeah. movie so like sean you were absolutely correct the hype for the dark knight you know started uh you know sizzle a little bit right up before batman yeah, Begins. it was it was pre-batman begins and then once batman begins came out and it was great then everybody was like okay not only did we kind of know that the joker was coming but now we know for sure and we know that it would be like that it has the potential to be truly great because Batman Begins was still a question mark. Like I had faith in Nolan because I had seen Memento. I had seen Insomnia. I knew he was good. Bale was certainly one of my top choices for Batman. Uh, in fact, he was my top choice for Batman even before he got cast. So I liked, I was all about it, but there was still that question mark. It was like, okay, it has on paper. It's got everything I think it should have in order to work, but just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it ultimately works, but it did with Batman Begins. So that just adds to the hype of the Dark Knight of like, holy shit, now we're going to get a Batman movie with this team that now has the Joker in it. It's like the best of all worlds right there. And so, yeah, the hype train really started going. And there were, but the biggest story by far for that first year of hype between the release of Batman Begins and then, you know, it was a little bit more than a year before we found out that Heath was cast, but that the story for that next 12 months was it was there were tons of other rumors as I talked about, but the story was who's going to play the Joker. So we'll do like a little quick round table because I remember exactly where I was when the Joker oh, was yeah. cast. Kyle, where were, were you aware? I know I know you're not as old as, you know, us graybeards <laughs> here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the baby of the group here. Um I, so where were you, or were you aware of the, of the Joker being cast in The Dark Knight? Man, it's, I'm trying to think back. I mean, like I said, I was, what, like 11 years ago when that would have happened? But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I might have not even realized the Joker had been cast until after I'd actually gone in to see the movie, you know? Like <laughs> like, like I've said, a lot of the, yeah. the build-up to The Dark Knight was actually just stuff happening. I wasn't really following movies at the time. I was just, I don't even know what I was doing up. 2008 man a weird time but um but yeah I, I remember just just going to see the movie so it was all like really new really fresh to me I, it was like everything was a surprise when i went in to see that movie outside of obviously christian bale being batman and all that mm-hmm. i'd seen batman begins and i knew that the joker was coming but that's pretty much all i knew going in okay sean since kyle doesn't have a good yeah. story to tell. Oh, yeah. no i know i mean i, I know exactly <laughs> i hate to be the I downer was. here no, I mean, well, unfortunately, I have, you know, there's the second I know exactly where I was when, you know, because of when we found out about Heath passing. But um, finding out that Heath had been cast. Yeah, I was I was at work and I stopped work. <laughs> and yeah, I was at work. I was working at a company. I was in Irvine, which is in Orange County, California. And, um, you know, it I just, you know, and because it, it was my daily routine, like I would always just check you know, my same handful of sites every day to be like, all right, what's going on? What's going on? And uh, then I saw this thing and it was Latino Review had had the scoop that Heath Ledger is going to be the Joker. It wasn't official, but like, you know, it became official not long after that. But Latino Review had the scoop first. And I don't say this just so I can sound really, really smart, because if I was smart, I would have had Heath Ledger on my list before he was cast. 
But I can say that I was an early adopter of Heath Ledger as the Joker. I immediately loved the decision, and I loved it on a couple of fronts. I loved that he wasn't a Jack Nicholson-esque kind of movie star where, like, you know, with, with Jack playing the Joker, you got everything you would expect of Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. And I didn't want to know when an actor was cast. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to be able to automatically see their Joker just by the mention of their name. I wanted to have mystery to it. And so I, I, was, I loved the idea that he was, you know, he wasn't an unknown, obviously, but he was still a little bit of a lesser known. He had obviously been Academy Award nominated for Brokeback Mountain, but Heath Ledger had just this interesting career trajectory. The first time I saw him was the same place most people did, which was in 10 Things I Hate About You. But then I didn't see him again in the movies I was going to, I expected to see him again. And I was like, okay, this guy's going to do like teeny bopper comedies now. And he didn't show up in any of those. He was just gone. Like, okay, I'm done. I guess you could argue that maybe a Knight's Tale is a little bit, but it's a totally different vibe and it's its own mm-hmm. thing. And then he was he in the popped- Patriot. Yeah, Patriot, he he pops up, but then he also pops up in movies like Monsters Ball with a smaller mm-hmm. part where he just he just rocks your world in the, with his performance in that film, and then obviously Brokeback Mountain. So, and those were that's what I loved so much about Heath as an actor, and why I was immediately on board is there was the surprise factor. I absolutely loved the fact that he had never been on a short list, so it was a shock. It was like, holy shit! Like this guy's name has not been in the rumor mill. Once I've been following this, these rumors every freaking day for over a year and never once did this guy's name come up. And now here it is. And he's the guy. So I was happy with the surprise. I was glad that I couldn't see it. But more importantly, though, it, I didn't, it's not that I just wanted to, to not be able to see it. Like the guy had to be a good actor. Mm-hmm. So what I liked about Heath is a he had never done anything like that before. So that meant I couldn't see it. But B he had done a lot of other things. Like he had already demonstrated a really wide range in terms of the types of characters he could play, the types of performances that he could offer. And so that was such a huge thing. I'm like, whatever this guy and Christopher Nolan cook up together, he's going to be able to nail it because he's played so many, he's already played these characters that are so different from one another and movies that are just so completely different because like are not at all alike. He just had this incredible range as an actor and also just there was going to be an element of mystery as to what he would bring to it. So I was uh, I was immediately on board with it. But like I said, that doesn't make me smart. If I was smart, I I would have thrown that name out earlier and I hadn't because it hadn't even occurred to me to consider Heath Ledger for the Joker. I remember where I was. It's like this will this day will always be like when my when I die. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be like the final synapses. Like, where were you on 9-11? Like some people way older than us. Where were you, you know, when JFK or uh, uh, the Pearl Harbor, Har- Pearl Harbor attack? Uh, I remember that I was on a family vacation and I had like this like weird gut feeling. I was like, man, I know like of all the times they're going to cast the Joker. <laughs> it's going to be when I'm on vacation. I won't be home. So it was like a Saturday and everyone like, so when, when you're in like the upper peninsula, like there's not like many cable stations, especially back then, back in 2006, 2007, but there were a few. So 
everyone had taken their showers, everyone was about to leave, and I was one of the last ones to go because I remember seeing on G4, uh, or it might it might have been Tech TV still at this point, but it, mm. I think it was G4. I remember they did like they they did like a thirty second like here's what's going on in like culture like they'd either have movie news or like a new game was coming out or something. Mm-hmm. But they were like like a one stop shop for like culture news. So they're so like you know after the break we're gonna give you like the whatever the thirty seconds and we're gonna reveal who the Joker is. So my family is packing the car up. And I'm the asshole sitting <laughs> on a bed waiting, waiting. And I was like, all right, please be lucky Hume, please be lucky Hume, please be lucky Hume. And uh we were about to go see like these waterfowls, because if you've ever been to the upper peninsula, there's so much, you know, diversity when it comes to like things to do, waterfowls, uh what lighthouses, you know, nature. It's amazing. If you've never been to Upper Peninsula, Michigan, I highly recommend it for anyone. So we were about to go do that, and I was like, wait, just give me like three more minutes. I'll be out in the car. <laughs> Please, I need to see this. So it finally came up, and a Morgan Webb, I believe, was doing the – like this is how much I remember. Morgan Webb was giving the the news, and Heath Ledger has just been cast as the Joker. And I was like, really? Huh. I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't you know, super happy about it. I was sort of indifferent. I was like – I really love Batman Begins. I I've loved the casting so far of like everyone that he's cast mm-hmm. in the roles, Morgan Freeman, Gary Oldman, Heath Ledger. Hmm. And so I didn't get to see like the press release or anything or read about like the reasoning at, on Latino Reviewer, but I just remembered like just like the Heath Ledger's gonna be the Joker. And I remember going to the waterfall and I was like, why did you take so long? I was like, oh, they just cast the Joker. And my dad goes, oh, who's going to be the Joker? I said, Heath Ledger. He's like, just like me, because kind of indifferent. Like, yeah. Which what, to me is a good thing, because I those performances, when you're indifferent, like you're, like when Ben Affleck was cast, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I know he's going to be great. With like Heath Ledger, there's like the element of surprise. Like, what can he do? He can give you a performance that's completely different. So when I came back home, which is like a couple of days later, I went on and I read the press release or whatever it was on Latino Review and all the websites. And I remember there was like a little, I might've been this time, but I remember reading a blurb and I wrote it on my hand. Cause I was like, when, when you were talking about, I was like, he, I, it brought that back in my mind. He's, he goes, I, I want to make this about the eyes, not the laugh. And I was like, that is really interesting. I was like, that is really, I'm, I'm digging that. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing like on the comments, oh, it's no, the left's way more important than the eyes. Like th- this was before Twitter. So we didn't have to deal with like the diarrhea of the Twitter handles. So, <laughs> yeah, but I it's, just remember how important yeah. that was for, you know, I was like, man, I'm dig. Like, I wasn't like in love with it, but I was like, I can dig this. Like, I'm not, I remember telling my sister who is much, who's two years younger than me. I had, so it was 2008. So I'm 29. So 10 years ago, I was 19. So my sister was 17 and she was a huge Heath Ledger. She's like, I didn't see Batman Begins, but I'm seeing the dark Knight now. I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, like I'll, I can dig that. But I just remember just those, those little things like that. And, you know, brings us to the net. Like when we first got that first still, of the Joker, 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Like it's the first time we saw it because we saw like it's like everything around him is dark. We see that Glasgow yeah. that rictus grin. Yeah, it's uh yeah that feature. I think it was like Memorial Day. It was definitely May of uh of two thousand seven, and it's it's so funny because even I think before we got that first image, just with some of the the comments that Heath was making, and then as as production began, like. That was where, like, the myth of Heath Ledger's performance really started to build. Um, but, and, and, of course, it went on even past this first image. That first image reveal, because that's, I, I, didn't, I didn't absolutely love it, but I liked it a lot. Uh, it, it was hard to totally love it just because I knew I wasn't seeing enough of it. Right. It's like, I'm not, I can't see the hair. I can't see, you know, like. I'm like, okay, so the basics are covered, sort of. Like, I can't see if he's wearing purple. Like, I've got, I've got a couple of the basics good to go. Like, he's got the white face, and he's got red lips. I, the cut smile, I was like, I was fine with it. I, I, never had a, I never had a beef with it. I didn't think it was something. It wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh, I've always wanted that from a Joker design. It wasn't like that. It didn't tick some, like, imaginary box that I had in my head of what I always wanted in a Joker design. But it looked cool. It looked different. And, you know, and then the basics were there. I, I wanted to see more of it. I was intrigued. I wanted to see more. I thought it looked I thought it looked cool and it had the potential to deliver all the things that I would want from a Joker aesthetic. And I I mean I love the Joker in all kinds of different designs and shapes and sizes that he's had in the comics and animation and live action and elsewhere. So I was uh I was definitely on board with it. I can tell you this much, my reaction for that first Heath Ledger Joker picture was way better than my reaction to the first Jared Leto Joker picture. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. agree. I would agree. But um, yeah, I, the the picture that really got me though was the second one, the knife pick that was revealed at Comic Con a couple months later in 2007. Uh, that I was like, okay, because then I could see his shoulders a little bit, so I could see that he was wearing purple. I could see that his hair was green, like green-ish, obviously like a bad dye job. But I already kind of knew that we were going to get a little bit more of a punk rock Joker because at the same time all these official images are coming out, this was like the glory days of YouTube that many fans will just never, never know. So like everything was on YouTube in like 2007. So there were uh, like there were set video and because they, they were filming in Chicago and they filmed most of them. They did hardly any soundstage. They did a lot of soundstage for Batman Begins because the Narrows was on a soundstage. Uh, they did the, the vast majority of what they shot for Dark Knight. I think it was like 80 percent was just right there on location in Chicago. And everybody and because of the hype around the film and how much more attention there was on the movie after Batman Begins, like there were videos from Batman Begins, um, you know, like I, I'll never forget. There was a video from when Batman Begins was shooting in Batman Begins shot also shot in Chicago, just not nearly for as long as Dark Knight. But like I was watching a video that these college kids had. They were in a parking structure and they were shooting and it was Batman on like the corner of a like the corner of a roof of a building. And I just remember, like, and this is like pre-vlogging and everything's, but these kids were on point. They were basically inventing it at the time. Was like the guy just turns the camera to, like, turns the camera to himself, and he just goes, "Holy shit, it's fucking Batman!" And points the camera, <laughs> and there's Batman. Uh, and then that was where Batman begins for Dark Knight, all over the place. I can tell you, like, 
obviously I'm going a little bit, of, I'm not going in order in terms of when I saw these things, but when they were shooting on lower Wacker drive, like there were videos, that's when people got, that's when people thought Joker was going to skateboard in the movie, but that was just yes. fucking between takes. But, um, but my question to you is this, because I, I, I've asked a lot of people this. They, I remember seeing that and I was watching it today too. They had the IMAX camera on the, on the SUV, the Mercedes or the BMW. <laughs> Like filming it, right? Or is that, or are they just like kind of like just doing just, it? To around? Yeah, I think it was just there. I think they were just resetting the vehicle, is what they were doing. I don't think they were really trying to shoot him. Or if they were, they were just screwing around. Like, eh, let's go ahead and, <laughs> although IMAX film is very expensive. So I don't think they are right. shooting that on the IMAX. But, uh, but I, I, I already, you couldn't, there were, nobody got a really good close up of his face, but you could just kind of tell. Like the messy hair and everything, like you could tell we were getting a different kind of Joker design. But I was on board with it because I'm like, I'm not too much of a stickler for it. I'm like, the basics are there: purple suit, white face, red lips, green hair, good to go. You want to apply that differently for your iteration? I'm on board with it as long as the overall portrayal is good. Um, yeah, all those videos were coming out. Uh, I was rewatching the movie today because today we're we're recording this on July 15th, 2018. Today's actually the 10 year anniversary of the first time I saw it. Because uh, I saw it on two on a Tuesday, July fifteenth, two thousand eight, at Universal CityWalk, thanks to the viral campaign, which we'll get into a little bit more as we go on. But like, I remember seeing that video. There was also the video of uh, well, there were there were plenty of photos uh, set of photos that people had taken when they were in Hong Kong because they actually went to Hong Kong. So there was a photo of Bale on the building. There was a photo of the conversation that he and Lucius Fox have after uh, Lucius Fox leaves uh, LSI Holdings, and then. Uh, I also there was also video because uh, it was a it was a newscast too. There was a because there was a newscast in Chicago when they blew up the candy factory that was posing as the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was also a good you know set video that people had taken of when uh, Batman kicks all the SWAT guys out. Uh, there, do you remember the video? I don't know if it was a video, but I do remember as they began filming the the prologue, the bank heist. We saw pictures of Ledger with the, you know, the glasses. He's in kind of like he doesn't have any makeup on. Yep. And I just remember seeing I think there's video, but I might be just remembering photos of it, of the of the bus buses coming out and going. There had to be video because I remember it yeah, went no, out once buses. and then it came back in that it went out. Like, I was like, what yep. the hell is going on here? Resetting. That's how you make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember everybody freaked out because there were photos of Heath outside of his trailer while they were shooting the prologue. And so he had green hair, but because for most of that scene, he's wearing his mask, they don't show his face. So obviously, if you're not shooting the makeup, you're not going to put him in the makeup. But everybody freaked out because nobody knew the context at the time. So everybody thought that all the Joker was going to do was have this stupid, like, green hair, <laughs> like, you know, bad... <laughs> you know, hair dye job and there wasn't going to be any like white makeup or anything on his face. I remember that whole thing of people just freaking out and I'm like, I had the glasses on too. I remember I was like, he's wearing glasses now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because he wears glasses. It's between takes. I'm like, is this like they're not shooting right now. So if they're not shooting right now, you shouldn't freak out about it. But, you know, whatever. Everybody was just everybody was losing their minds because uh, they just thought, oh, we're not getting, you know, we're not going to get a Joker that looks like the Joker. So, like, I, I remember a lot of people bitched about the Suicide Squad stuff that was kind of being leaked on Twitter. But, like, a lot of the movie that was filmed was filmed during the day. 
in Chicago. Like the sequence, like I remember having a family reunion and they were filming the sequence in mm. Chicago where the where they were looking for because it was after the Joker had said, if you want to, if you know the bit, he said something like the bridges and the tunnels, blah blah. blah. If you want out, get out now. And then yeah, the yeah. Next, next scene is the police with dogs and they're like yep. the roaming with like the like like metal detectors. I remember seeing that like like video and photos of that mm-hmm. like on a fam like during the fa- like this is how much it consumed our lives, people. Yeah, no, we He's, like skip family reunion re- reunions for minutes just to see like oh my god, what are they doing? What's going yeah, on? You'll never get you'll never get anything like this. A lot of this stuff when it shows up, it immediately gets pulled down off of YouTube now because it like. Studios like now they basically have like their their speed dial like bat phone to YouTube of like take that shit down. Um, they don't have they didn't have that back then. Uh, so like anything anything and everything was there. But and nothing so that, got spoiled. Like it wasn't like oh my god, there's oh a that's movie. not true. That's not true. Uh, but I can, spoil it. No, I'll give you like double. Well, first like the the eighteen wheeler flip that was also oh, shot. Yeah, yeah. And that was also on YouTube. Um, but yeah, there's a little known thing that like the entire the entire thing of the Dark Knight, the entire movie, just nobody paid attention to it. And uh, but the entire movie, like a summary of everything. I mean, joke. Not everybody already knew the Joker was going to kill Rachel in the movie, but the fact that it was a switcheroo. I oh, I mean, everybody assumed that that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. So, but every, so everybody was making that assumption. But then, like the fact that it was the whole switcheroo with Dent and lying about who was where. Like that, all the way to Dent turning his two-face, all the way to Dent kidnapping Gordon's family, all the way to Dent dying, all the way to Batman taking the blame for the for Dent's murders and like do and like would be chased by the cops at the end. The entire movie came out online in well, not like couldn't watch the movie, but a summary of every plot point in the movie came out. It leaked on an I think it was like an Italian website in January of two thousand eight. And so I had just uh and so like it leaked out, and so I had a, a source where I was just like Hey, is this true? <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, it's true." And I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> I knew the entire damn movie, you know, when I walked in and watched it. But like, it didn't matter. Like, it's you know, it, even though there was nothing all that surprising in the film to me, like, well, what was surprising is just how good it was. It wasn't about the twists and turns of plot. Everything was just executed so, uh, so brilliantly. But yeah, it was out there, and people kind of knew about it. And a few people passed it around, but it just didn't catch on. No, if I that, don't remember that at all. I don't remember something happened, like that. Yeah, if that had happened now, like, see, that that was the other, I guess that was the advantage, is if something did leak, it didn't necessarily go everywhere. Now, if something like that leaked, it it would be done. Like, it's <laughs> it's going to get shared on Twitter and retweeted thousands and, of times. And, and Quentin Tarantino is going to rewrite the entire script. <laughs> <laughs> Delayed. I mean, it's, yeah, you don't, so, it was a, it was a tougher time, but although at the same, although now, like, you won't have as much. You don't get as many leaks from this uh, anymore in comic book movies because nobody really does what Nolan does in terms of his emphasis on for on location filming. Um, most of these movies are still shot predominantly on sound stages and other closed sets that people just don't have access to. So you'll just you'll never get as much of a movie beforehand as you did as you could have with The Dark Knight if you were paying attention. I remember another thing before we get to. Let me see what's next. Um, another thing we have to, they the first time that they shot the movie primarily in IMAX, like a lot of sequences were shot IMAX. Um, 
And then I just, I, there was just like, like I said, going back to like, or like, or what I originally said, there was like this weird aura that surrounded this entire film from the moment the movie was announced to Heath's casting to filming where you weren't going more than a couple days before you were seeing set photos. Yeah. We're seeing some set photos now, Wonder Woman, but like it was a lot and it was so exciting for us fans because we love Batman Begins and they're shooting the movie like, like in Chicago during Mm -hmm. the day. Like you see, like I remember like seeing there's a Bruce Wayne's Lamborghini. There's this, there's that. I like and like like you said, there were a lot of leaks. Like Tons. That. Tons. And I remember I remember another one. Maybe you remember that the root there was a rumor that the bat pop was gonna come out of the tumbler, and then that mm-hmm. kind of got squashed. But then when I saw I was like, damn, that did happen. I, that kind of ru- got ruined for me, but well, it like, got it, it. People like kind of thought like when people saw the bat pod, you know, a lot of people just like eyeballed it and they're like that. Those wheels look the same as the tumbler. So people were just looking at it. And plus, like everybody remembered from Batman Begins how like the seat ducks down and he can like go forward. And then like so everybody's like, well, from that position, like that looks like that looks like the bat pod could just come right out from there. So a lot of people were just kind of thinking that. And then it was the toy that gave it away because Mattel made a toy where the bat pod shoots out. And like, that's that, that's still like, that's one thing that is kind of the same now as it was back then is toys leak a lot of shit <laughs> like Lego, especially. <laughs> and, uh, so people, get, you know, people get early looks at this stuff from like Lego sets or whatever. In this case, it was a Mattel toy where we're like, and so it was like, okay, so that's what happens. But then there were some people who are still trying to deny it and say, Oh, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. And then sure enough, that's what it was. Um, but yeah, like the, the leak stuff was crazy. And, but I think it just fed into, I, I think it, it worked for the dark Knight and didn't really hurt anything because the, I think it almost worked hand in hand with the viral marketing campaign. Anyway, there was like this intentional, like viral marketing by design, but then also this unintentional thing. So like they did, we talked about at, at comic con, they didn't do a panel at comic con in 2007. They just did a viral thing on the first day. They were handing out like these jokerized dollar bills and then so the people at Comic-Con were like scrambling around in some little scavenger hunt to solve a thing. And that's what that led to getting the reveal of it's called it's, you know, affectionately known as the knife pick. Like that's the Joker holding the knife to Rachel Dawes when he's which we would later find out is when he's telling her a scar story. Um, they did do a panel at Wizard World Chicago in August of 2007. Uh, but of course, uh, nobody that footage never leaked online. The Iron Man footage from Comic-Con 2007, that was all over YouTube. The Dark Knight footage from Wizard World uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, we did, although at the time, already have our first teaser trailer, which I know we'll jump back to. But uh, there was also a like I don't know, it was, I think it was like twelve or thirteen, I think thirteen images that leaked. It was either late August or maybe it was in I think, but I think it was in September of two thousand seven, and it was the first picture that we got of the Joker from the interrogation scene. Uh, I think there were a couple other interrogation scene related photos. But there was also a photo of Heath as the uh, in the cop uniform with and he still had the scars. And so between that was where like the the next controversy and one of the biggest controversies in, in Batman fandom and Dark Knight fandom and the build up to it, like kind of this is that photo kind of confirmed it and just like riled everybody up. The knife pick was a big enough hint because you could see like you could see where the makeup ended. 
but then the fact that he wasn't wearing the white makeup but still had the scars on his face when he had the cop uniform on, that was where like the phrase perma white became a thing. And there was uh, these constant debates about, oh, this isn't the Joker. He's supposed to have bleached skin. He always needs to have, you know, it has to be a permanent thing. It can't be makeup. It can't be this or that. And my thought on it was always, who cares? It, like, does he have the white face or not? Like, I could, I could always see like flesh tones on Cesar Romero's wrists. In you between, can see his mustache. Yeah, in between <laughs> the cut. In be, but in, even besides that, like, but like, just for the makeup idea, like, I always, I initially thought, like, my initial thought with Joker was that it was makeup because my first exposure to the character was the '66 series, and Cesar Romero's Joker. His wrists are flesh tone, like it's not all white between like the cuff of his shirt and his glove, like you would see his actual skin tone. And so I was like, okay, well, he's not like permanently white all over. And then it was like seeing the acid bath in Batman. I'm like, oh, so that's what it is. And like, but like, it, I was never attached to this idea that Joker had permanently white skin. I didn't care whether it was whether it was a chemical bleaching or makeup. I just didn't care. Was you know, I just cared about the uh, the end result. But I remember that be like those photos kind of creating a little mini controversy of people who were just swearing up and down uh, that Christopher Nolan and Heath Ledger were going to quote, and this was this term was used a lot, bastardize the Joker. I remember that, but since I was since it was ten years ten years ago, I the the time has changed because now that I'm like aware and like we have the podcast and everything and like. It just was a different, like, the only way to describe it is, like, I had, like, virgin ears and eyes to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, like, it it wasn't, like, a thing for me. I was like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I still don't really care, like, what people have to say on Twitter yeah. or whatever. It's my own opinion. So, um, but the viral marketing, like, we got that first, that first teaser that showed no footage. Yep. And we just heard... You know, Bruce and Alfred, and at the very end, we heard the Heath, the voice of the Joker for the first time. Yep. And I re I remember, you know, watching that because my parents had taped it because I had something going on. They videotaped it. This is mm -hmm. before, this is before, like, like we had fast internet. We still had dial up at this point. So I couldn't just go on YouTube and watch it because it would take four hours for it to load. And it was like a minute, like 30 seconds or something. Maybe it was a minute and one. I don't remember, but I just remember. Yeah, it was pretty short. So I just remember going back and like watching it and just rewinding the part part where he's voice. And then I would go in the shower and I would try to imitate his voice <laughs> for some strange reason. I don't know. No, it's not a strange reason. It's a common thing. Everybody did it. Everybody did it. Like it was, yeah. Because I, I remember that first teaser. I didn't because this is when teasers were teasers. Like I actually don't like teasers now because they're not teasers. They're trailers. Like yeah, they're so, yeah I know. And then the they have te the teaser for the teaser. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the labeling now for trailers is so confusing. Like it's just ugh, whatever. Anyway, I don't want to digress <laughs> and go on that rant. But uh, but yeah, that first teaser, no footage, just voiceover. It's, you know, Alfred giving Bruce the some men just want to watch the, the world burn speech. And then it's Joker starting the night. People will die. I'm a man of my word. And then, boom, he hits the Joker laugh. So even though Heath Ledger had said, you know, it's going to be about the eyes, not about the laugh. We saw the well, I mean, we saw the eyes in, in images, but we hadn't seen the uh, we hadn't seen his eyes in terms of the actual performance yet. 
Uh, but we heard the laugh, and I was like, oh, well, he nailed the laugh. The voice sounds great. I'm into it. This is dope. Like, he, he sounds like the Joker. He's going to, so far from what I'm seeing, he looks like the Joker. Like, I'm completely on board with what we're getting here. And uh, I, I remember being so pumped. It actually leaked because it was supposed to be attached, and it was. It was attached to the Simpsons movie in July of 2007. But like three or four days before the Simpsons movie came out, uh, somebody, I don't know, I think they worked at a theater or something like that. They got the trailer, so they shot it on their phone or a camera or whatever, you know, some camera. They shot it, uploaded it to YouTube. And so that was the first way I saw and heard it was just via the you know, YouTube. And so it's a recording of a recording, so it doesn't sound that great. <laughs> but even, even with the poor audio quality, I was like, this still sounds pretty good. And then I was going to watch the Simpsons movie anyway because I like the Simpsons. And, uh, and, of course, I was like, it just increased my urgency. Of, oh, i got to see that teaser as soon as possible. And sure enough, uh, I watched teaser in the theater, and I'm like, so actually hearing it with movie theater sound, I was like, oh, this is, this is just perfect. This is going to be great. The viral marketing of that film was so on point, and they, I don't think there's been a marketing campaign Not like at all. since. Not even close. There's, there's no comparison. And, and I, it fed the yeah. fire that was and oh, it wasn't just the absolutely. joker it was the i believe in harvey dent campaign as well it the was but i i i always wonder if the harvey dent viral campaign was a pivot because heath had died which you we'll know. get to yeah i had heard that there was going to be more viral joker stuff planned and then of course with heath's passing they didn't feel that was appropriate um and I, I mean there probably would have been a harvey dent thing anyway but yeah, when that viral marketing campaign started, like it was so perfect because it was the perfect character to do it with. Like the Joker being this character of like, you know, the agent of chaos, as he calls himself. And because and, that's what he was even before, you know, he dubbed himself that in Dark Knight. Like just the idea of there being no rules and the Joker doing whatever he wanted to do. And he could come from anywhere at any time. Like all of that worked beautifully. It was hand in hand with the viral marketing. And I think that's why. Even Warner Brothers didn't really attend. They did some viral stuff for Dark Knight Rises, but nothing like they did with Dark Knight. And I think it's because they knew at the time, like this was just the thing of it. It works really well because it's the Joker mm -hmm. and it, because it's this Joker and everything that we're going to do with uh, with this character. And so, yeah, it all it all just went together so beautifully and it just it complemented the whole thing. And, and it added to, as I said, I mean, there was this myth of Heath Ledger's Joker because I remember everybody who went to uh, when the set people visited the set and the journalists visited the set and I think it was June of 2007 not too long after production had started within the first couple months and they were all hearing about it from Gary Oldman from Michael Caine about how great Heath Ledger's Joker was and like it just kept building up and everybody was just talking about it and talking about it and the viral campaign just fed into all of that because it just kept all that focus on the Joker and it was just so much fun like the Dark Knight it's an all-time great movie but you know and I'm sure Justin you would agree with this as somebody who was paying attention with that stuff back then like it's honestly one of the all-time most fun experiences of my life mm -hmm. like movies or otherwise like it is it like the build up to that movie with the viral campaign, it was just like and and I'm not saying like, you know, and I'm not qualifying this as all time movie experience or even all time pop culture experience, just all time overall. Like 
this it, movie it was wasn't just experience. it wasn't just fun there was an emotional attachment because yeah. we had we had been waiting for the Joker for almost 20 years to be reimagined on the big yep. screen. And with, you know, the viral marketing, you know, you had the pumpkin. I remember the pumpkin. And oh, I the remember it's great. So I, a lot of a lot of young kids probably don't. But there was like this like Sean can explain it better. Oh, yeah. No, I'll give it to you. So like they did it. They, it was in October of 2007. So, uh you know, you you've seen this pumpkin design. It's based on the Long Halloween. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if you've read the Long Halloween or just seen the images of it, you can check it out. It's that jack o' lantern design. And so, when October started, first the first thing we saw because there would be just be these random viral sites that would pop up. And so, this one popped up. I can't. I wish I could remember the URL for it, but it popped up, and you got and and that was the other thing though is like. Because we were already hip to the viral campaign, because it was a little bit of a viral thing when the first image got released in May and then the Comic-Con stuff, like everybody was on the message boards, whether it was Batman on film or superhero hype or where, you know, wherever they like to go and chat. And there would always just be these forums dedicated to the viral marketing of everybody trying to like do the different scavenger hunts and make sure everybody's uncovering everything. And so in October, we're like, everybody's like, oh, man, there's this website. Here it is. And there's a there's a jack-o'-lantern on it. And then we noticed, like, when we refreshed the page, I think it, it would be... It was why... It was so, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It was whysoserious.com. Yeah, there you go. And so it had this... Uh, and so there was this jack o' And we noticed all of a sudden, oh, the camera's melting. Or not the camera, the candle. The candle is melting inside this jack-o'-lantern. And so as we were... And then we're like, okay, so, what, so something's going to happen when this candle gets to... Uh, you know, when this candle gets, when it completely melts, we're going to get something. Uh, but we didn't. So it melted and the candle went out and everybody kept thinking, oh my God, it's, it's about to happen now. Whatever this is, it's about to happen. Uh, but of course we, that's not what happened. Then the pumpkin started rotting, which it also did on the covers of, uh, of long Halloween. So it, it took it all the way through the rest of the month for this pumpkin to rot. And then there was like another scavenger hunt. And our reward for that scavenger hunt was getting a, uh, we got a new image of the Joker. And what makes that image so important is that that image is the only piece of a scene that was shot for the Dark Knight that we got to see because it's not in the movie. There are mm -hmm. two things that were shot that are in the shooting script for the Dark Knight, if you've ever read it, uh, and they were actually filmed. There are two things. One is because every for those of you who wonder where Joker went after he threw Rachel Dawes out the window at Bruce Wayne's party, all he did was go down to the car and he goes down to the car. He had one of his thugs asks him, what about Harvey Dent? And then Joker says, I'm a man of my word. And that sets up that he killed Richard Dent and Patrick Harvey. And uh, but anyway, the image was just this image of it's the you have the driver up front, although he's out of focus. It's Joker in the backseat of a car kind of has his hands like, his, you know, the tips of his fingers touching together right in front of his face, a la a panel. Uh, pretty much. the Yeah, I think it's the first panel of the Joker ever in Batman. Number one, I think is what it was kind of an homage to. Uh, there's also for those of you wondering what the other thing was. The very first official image we got of the new Batsuit was Batman standing on top of a cop car. Uh, that's taken from when Batman, uh, I mean, obviously they just posed for the still, but what they actually shot was when Batman runs out of the police station to go after to try, he thinks anyway, to try and save Rachel, uh, he's running across cop cars. 
And of course, they ended up taking that out of the movie as well. Uh, but yeah, that image of the Joker is really cool because there's just there is no other image from that scene. And of course, we never got it attached as a deleted scene or anything like that. I still hope one day I know no one's not big on deleted scenes, but like it exists, man. <laughs> like, I really <laughs> Put it hope out there. one day we finally get to actually watch it. But there, there is at least an image from it. So I'm on the it's it's not really why so serious.com anymore. It's 42 entertainment.com. Yeah, that's, that's so if you want that's the company who wanna, did it. Right. If you want if you're listening to this and you want to go look at and don't remember it, like I'm I'm remembering the I want you uh with you know Uncle Sam with the black eyes and the yep. you know the and uh so it says over fit like this alternate reality experience played out over 15 months yep. over 11 million unique participants in over 75 countries fuel the rise of the joker as henchman campaign for harvey Dent to get elected as district attorney and even took the law in his own hands becoming copycat batman vigilantes from calling phone numbers which we'll talk about in a second right yep. in the sky to hunting down gps coordinates to find uh -huh. phones baked inside birthday cakes yep. i remember there was a birthday cake Yep. Why So Serious was an experience like no other as these fans collectively scoured the globe in search of clues. Their incredible passion generated billions of impressions in the press and blogosphere setting a new benchmark for immersive entertainment. And I'm looking at the very bottom. There's ever like everyone is has like the Joker makeup on, like, you know, the white face with the blackened eyes and the red yeah. lips. Like, I remember yeah. like that was such a huge they like that's what everyone wore for Halloween for like the next two years was that. Yeah. Because there was also a thing where you needed to one of the other scavenger hunts. I don't remember if this was part of the October thing or something else, but um, yeah, another thing was like you had to go, you had to dress as the Joker, be in Joker makeup, and you had to go and uh, you had to like pose for a picture, right? And so mm -hmm. like in front of like, ideally the the request was that it would be in front of like a landmark in your town or something like that. So I did one. I posed in front of the the uh, Richard Nixon Library which is in like is in Yorba Linda, California, because that's where I was at at the time. So I was like, what's the closest? Because I just wanted to do it right away. I was like, what's the what landmark am I closest to? OK, boom. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like just went right there. So it wasn't maybe didn't take put as much time or set up into it as I maybe should have. But yeah, I did. I participated in that. I was part of all that stuff. I remember the cakes because and I remember being pissed because <laughs> at the time anyway. Uh, because like it when it was revealed of like these the coordinates for these bakeries where these cakes were, uh, the one that was closest to me, like the cake got picked up in like five minutes after that viral thing went online. So I was joking with you, Justin, like before we started recording, like somebody must have just been really damn lucky to have been walking by or driving by this bakery when they found out about this thing and like just like immediately went outside. Like the turn like it was so quick that I I also remember that like within 10 minutes somebody already posted a picture of the front door of that bakery with their sign saying joker cake already picked up <laughs> like because like, like there had already been so many people who were coming in like asking for it within like you know just like 10 15 minutes of that thing going up like that viral stuff it happened fast and but the cool thing was is we got rewarded for it like we would get a new image uh, but I remember the big, the first like big reward besides, I mean, that awesome Joker image was uh, we had already found out that there was going to be the IMAX prologue attached to I Am Legend. But before I Am Legend hit theaters, they screened the prologue early 
Uh, and they did that as part that was one of the rewards for the viral marketing campaign is certain theaters like they got it uh, and they were going to be able to air it. I think it was or they got I think it was like going to be like a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, and it was just the prologue. And so I went to the prologue at uh, it was in L.A. and it was at this theater. It used to be called the Bridge Theater. It's not called that anymore. I think it's like a Cinemark or something now. But I remember we were and we knew that we were only going to see six and a half minutes of the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was going to screen at, I think, seven o'clock. I showed up at three thirty. I'm like, I'm three and a half hours early. Right. Like I'm, I should be good. But I was like 50th in line for six minutes, <laughs> three and a half hours <laughs> early for six minutes of this damn movie. Uh, but then I remember, you know, so and. and it was in the entire wait, just where they that theater had us lined up was in the sun the entire time, mm. which was less than pleasant because even though it was December, like, you know, it's L.A., so it's <laughs> it's not cold. Uh, and so I remember being ready for that prologue because remember at this time we had not seen any footage. Most of us had not seen any footage of Heath as the Joker besides YouTube videos from the set like we most of us had not seen the Wizard World footage or anything like that. And at the and there also was not a there was not a trailer yet. So this was the first time you know, most fans were going to have any or at least most of us who were lucky enough to go to a prologue screening somewhere, depending on what city you lived in, to see actual footage, like finished footage from the Dark Knight. And plus, it was a big deal because it was going to the whole sequence was going to be the IMAX sequence. So we were finally going to see like what this grand experiment of shooting a scene in uh, with these IMAX cameras was actually going to look like. And mm -hmm. so, like you brought up, Justin, I mean, we get that first shot, boom, there's the building, and, you know, here's this Chicago skyline, and I just, and it's taking up the whole IMAX screen. And, and that the theater where I was at, it was a true 70-millimeter IMAX theater. It wasn't a LIMAX. Like, it was a, leg it was a legit one. It was a Nolan-approved, Nolan-certified one. Like, we were... <laughs> You know, and I just remember seeing, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I mean, I'm just looking at a fucking building. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so good. It still like, does. This is just like, this is amazing. And then, uh, you know, and then there's that first shot, you know, and it's an image that will forever be burned into my mind. You know, that first shot of, of Heath from behind, you know, standing on that corner. Uh, side note, I also stood on that corner, uh, <laughs> like I had, but, uh, I guess that's a story for later, but, um, yeah, like the I remember seeing that whole thing, and then I remember just being so like in the zone of looking at, at just everything about Heath's performance. How was he walking? How did he do? And like he kind of had this little like almost like a little limp to it. Uh, you know, had this like little this little rolling of his shoulders. Like he just had this very unique, fluid motion in everything he was doing. And what I loved about it is I'm like, you can't tell that this guy is the Joker yet. I mean, I knew he was the Joker. Right. But, you know, if you're not paying attention to this stuff, you don't like you don't officially know he's the Joker yet. And so, like, you just see this thing and like he just immediately stands out. He's one of half a dozen guys in clown masks, but he stands out. And then when you finally get to, you know, the reveal at the end, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. And then it ended with this amazing sizzle reel of all these other images, including one great shot of Joker, you know, firing the machine gun when he's firing it at the bat pod from the come on, hit me. What eventually we would know is like the come on, hit me part of uh, of the movie. And I just remember being completely blown away by it. And then, of course, going back and watching I Am Legend, like, 
you know, more times than I ever should have. Just just so I could watch that prologue again. It was I was just so hooked. I remember I wasn't able to see that I had to see it with I Am Legend, but I remember people were review- like, "This is how crazy this is." No, I wrote people a review. Were, of it. People were reviewing it. I remember reading all the reviews. Like I didn't care. I wanted to be spoiled. I, the six minutes of the movie, you're not going to spoil anything for me. Yeah. It's a prologue. <laughs> it's stuff that's supposed to have, like already have happened, right? Mm. So. uh I just remember seeing the reviews of it and like pay there. Everyone's like, pay attention to, you know, the limp, pay attention to the walk, pay attention to this and that. I just remember that stuff. And then I finally went and I went and saw with I am legend and for, I worked at a haunted house. This is like way, way long time ago. Like I had a bunch of jobs when I was in college. So one of the jobs I worked at a haunted house and I was the Heath Ledger Joker before the Joker, like before <laughs> anyone had seen it. So everyone thought it was Beetlejuice the entire time because yeah. I had like the circles and everything. I was like, no, I'm the Joker. Like yeah. Jack Nicholson. I no, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was also I was Heath Ledger Joker for Halloween in October of 2007. So, like, you know, before Dark Knight had come out yet, like, I was already just so in love with that Joker. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be my costume for... So, uh, I, I wore the purple, because I had the purple, I had, like, I paid money to get this purple trench coat made, nice. and I wore it to the theater, and people were like, what the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> like, seriously, I've never had those, like, what's going on? Like, like, this kid is obviously mentally ill, but I was just obsessed with Batman. <laughs> And so I remember seeing it with my friends, and it was December. There was, like, an ice storm, like, right before. So I was like, please, let there be power, um, because that's what happens when you're in the north. <laughs> with the ice storms, you lose power like everyone does. I remember, like, jumping over, like, all these, like, different, like, <laughs> like ice thick patches, not to fall over, like, trying to get in right before. And I remember seeing it, and I was just completely blown away by it. And I, I was just like... Oh my, I've never seen anything like this before. It was like this intense ba- like bank robbery that was actually like really good, really well put together. It was mm-hmm. it was fast paced. Like it, it was intense. I remember getting the Gotham Times uh paper up, yep. up right. And I remember going my dad was super sick. Uh like really sick. Like he had the flu. And uh like, usually when my dad's sick, like, you don't go, like, bug him at all. So I went into it, like, I knocked on the door. I saw the TV was still on. I knocked on the door. He's like, well, how was that? I was like, it was awesome. I got this paper. I showed him the paper. Like, mm-hmm. he, like, for, like, for that moment, like, in time, like, he was, like, willing himself not to be sick. Just to hear <laughs> me, like, talk about, because my dad hates science fiction. Never seen Star Wars. Never seen Lord of the Rings. And for me to take him to see Batman Begins and for him to enjoy it was, you know, like that. I will always love the Dark Knight trilogy for that because I had that special moment, those special moments with, you know, with Batman Begins, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rise. But to show him the paper, he's like, that's actually really cool. So it was like right after Mm -hmm. the the, we saw the prologue, there was a trailer. Yep. Either one popped up. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that, and then just like a few weeks later, like at, like like my heart was shattered when you, we we had the news, like you know, like what the story is when Heath Ledger yeah. passed away. I remember like seeing it, and like it was so bizarre because I thought it was fake. I 
you know, when it, it first was so weird. Yeah, when it first, uh, well, real quick, just to go back to, uh, just to go back to that trailer, because yeah, the, the, the first full trailer came out not long after the prologue, but uh, that trailer, I'm sure, I don't have an official count, I, but I know that trailer holds the record for me for the most times I've ever watched any trailer, because I was watching that trailer at least, I mean, legitimately ten, like not like oh, I think I did because I watched it a lot. Like no, I was legitimately watching that trailer like ten times a day every single day and then eventually i cut it back to like five but for like the first two weeks it was 10 times a day and the first night that it came out i must have watched it like 25 30 times it was i just kept looping it up because like this is so perfect it's also super like cool master stroke from nolan that like the first shot of that trailer is the last shot of the movie <laughs> but, like it's uh i love that trailer and just seeing more of heath's performance as the joker and i was just so enamored with it and that that is kind of like you know the setup for you know how just a, a lot of how difficult it was on january 22nd 2008 was uh because you know I, i've talked about it right the the myth the lore of heath ledger's joker before you know before we ever really saw anything from it and then when we had seen things from it and we were loving it so much and just being like oh man this is perfect and reading all the interviews that he'd been giving where he was talking about his joker diary and locking himself in the hotel room for six weeks to figure out what he was going to do with the character and all these things. Like you, you could just tell that he was really taking it seriously and really investing a lot of himself into this, just pouring his heart and his mind into this character, into to giving it the best portrayal that he could. And, and I always admired his talent anyway as an actor, but the, with the Joker being a character that meant so much to me and how much I was looking forward to seeing that character you know, as a in live action on the big screen for the first time in 19 years, uh, you know, and seeing that he was taking it so seriously, you know, not I mean, obviously because he you know, respects his craft, but also for fans and everybody else to really get something uh, worthwhile. Like it just it just added to my respect and my admiration for him. And then when I saw that news again, I was at work and I saw that news and I just I remember like immediate, like I can't even remember where I first saw the headline because like I immediately like looked for like 10 more headlines of this because I was like, w and I kept pouring through them to be like, okay, where's the hoax here? Like, because I just, I wasn't believing it. I was like, how, mm -hmm. like he was what, like 26, 27 years old? I mean, the guy was not old at all. And I just thought like, this is, cr not that people don't die young. I'm aware that that's a thing that happens tragically at times, but I, I just, it, for it took a, a bit for me to even believe it. And then when I and then, of course, once I saw that, like, oh, my God, this is real. I just remember being completely devastated. It, it's certainly one of the most impactful celebrity deaths that I've, you know, that, you know, or at least a, a celebrity death that's impacted me as much as maybe any celebrity death ever. There's only kind of a handful that I would say are, are probably on uh, are, are probably on that level. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm not trying to say that, oh, I, I was a Heath Ledger fan for life. I hadn't been, but I became a, a very, like, very quickly became a huge Heath Ledger fan from the time. I mean, I always, like I said, I already liked him, but then became a huge fan over the course of learning that he was playing the Joker and seeing everything that he was going to be doing with it. Um, and then, you know, but I, and I remember one of my other first, but my, my other first thought, though, when I thought it was real, though, is I was just thought, man, like, because I remembered he had a young daughter, you know, mm -hmm. Matilda. It's just like, I thought really about the family tragedy of it first before I was really worried about, you know, myself as well, my first instinct was this is fake. And the second thing was, you know, this is so awful for his family. And then the third thing was just for 
for myself, for us as fans, like it was just such a, it, it was just such a heartbreaking day. I mean, and it, and it added, I mean, and it was not just a heartbreaking single day. I mean, it was just so hard. I remember watching like all the news coverage that day, everything. I would watch every show where they're talking about Heath Ledger. And I remember seeing the video of the, uh, I remember seeing the video of, of like the body bag on the stretcher being taken out of the apartment building. Um, I've been to that. I've been right outside of that apartment building. I went there when I went to New York. Um, yeah, it, it was just, uh, yeah, it was absolutely, it was, it was absolutely devastating. It was so bizarre. I re- like, I'll ask Kyle hasn't spoken in a little bit, but maybe he remembers some of this stuff. Uh, I remember cause where my, the computer was, was in the family room. So my mom was watching her soaps. Cause my mom would watch, my mom still does this today. I love her to death, but my mom will watch her soaps days of our lives, young and the restless. And she tapes them. And then she watches them again that night. I swear mm-hmm. to you, she does that. She does it to this day. <laughs> um, she doesn't tape it, but well, she, so she'll watch it. But now since she has like a smartphone and an iPad, she'll just watch it again on her iPad or smartphone. It's the most bizarre thing. But I remember her. So like, I was on the computer looking at Batman news, like trying to figure something out, like watching the trailer. You know, I just had come home from because I was at a community college at this point. It's in January. So I didn't have much going on. So I was just like, okay, let's see what I can do. Uh, Talk to people because I think MySpace IM was a thing at that time. I was talking to people. And then, like, I remember my mom was like scrolling through the channels and I saw Heath Ledger had died. And I'm like, what? That can't be real. So I started looking on the internet. And sure enough, you know, everyone like tragic news, Heath Ledger passed away. And I was flabbergasted. I still am, like, I still am to this day, just like, shocked this person who's so young who's 28 at the time you know who had the his whole career you know in front of him Mm -hmm. just you know gone like that just gone and my first initial like my first like i was a selfish prick back then so (laughs) my first initial thought was oh my god did they finish the movie did all the stuff get done did uh are, are they going to release the movie? What's going to happen? Because I've never like this has never happened before to me. Like, uh, like something I so care like so care about. But then it took me back to that photo, that first still that we got of mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker, and the first and I showed it to my parents. I said, "This is isn't this a weird photo?" Like, yeah. I told him, I said, "Doesn't he look dead in this picture?" Mm. And my parents were like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like his eyes are closed, like he's dead. I was like, what are like that's a part of like the movie? And then like, you know, jump ahead a few months, and you know, sure enough, you know, and I I actually for this for this episode, I went back and I read a bunch of the stuff. I went to YouTube. I watched the MSNBC breaking news, and like the first thing she says, like a bizarre story coming out of New York. Keith Ledger passed mm-hmm. away. I was, I'm like, God, it's still like getting, watching the movie, you can't, you can't separate the two. 
You can't separate that person's death with this movie. I actually could. Um, I can't for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, it was it, it was one of the things I was you know skipping ahead here to like you know first seeing the movie, but you know, so I won't share all the details around the first screening. But I was actually surprised, you know, because going into the movie, I was like, oh, am I gonna be Am I just going to be focused on the fact that this guy is no longer with us? But his performance is just so powerful, and he just disappears so completely into the character that I completely forgot that he that this was Heath Ledger and that he was gone and, and everything. The only time during the movie where I got snapped out of the movie for a second is Joker's last scene in the film when he says to Batman, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. And, you know, my heart just broke mm -hmm. because, and like and, and I, I could feel it like and also, you know, like in my stomach, like there was just this sinking feeling. Like all of a sudden I just started feeling like a little ill in my stomach because there was that part of me of just going like, oh, that heartbreak of they're destined to do this forever, but they can't like this iteration of Batman and Joker can't do this forever. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is it. This is the only time we're getting this Joker. Uh, and I so I remember that like that was when it reminded me of uh, that one line is what reminded me of the fact that Heath was was gone and not going to continue. But everything else, I was I was pleasantly surprised at just how I mean, and, and it's it's the only thing it is, is a testament to Heath's performance of that's how good he was that I completely forgot who he was uh, as he was playing that character. I didn't I was only seeing the Joker. I wasn't seeing or thinking about Heath until that one line. And surrounding, like, the death, there's all those rumors, you know, did he go too far into the role? Because that's what a lot of people were like, you know, the knee-jerk reaction at the time yeah. was, you know, did he go too far into the role? Did he take it too seriously? Did he become, you know, like the Joker? And I remember a few weeks later, it might have been a month or two later, there was a report that the studio was considering cutting scenes from the Dark Knight. Yeah, I remember those rumors, yeah. Because they're like, they actually gave like scene descriptions. I'm like, like, I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, are it was so, it's still bizarre to think about, you know, 10 years later, mm -hmm. you know, everything that kind of, you know, transpired. But there were, there was a good moment where I was like, well, you know, this version of Batman's over with. Who's going to want to make another Batman movie? I'm sure Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan are not going to want to do another Batman movie after their their friend, their colleague had passed away. So that was the other, my other initial reaction. Like, well, this is over with. And I told my parents, like, mom goes, why are you so sad? You didn't know the person. I said, well, I love Batman. And I'm afraid this will be like the end of like this before it even got started. Like, this will be like the last Batman movie that we get for a long time. So she's like, my mom, like being my mom, she's like, don't worry about that stuff. There's other things to worry about. So um, like my mom's lovingly approach to me. Um, yeah. But, uh, but like, I, I just remember reading, I was like, they're, they're considering cutting scenes. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they ever really considered that. I think it was, I mean, yeah, because I remember there was some thought that would they cut the scene like the would they cut the Brian Douglas stuff? And I mean, we had already known there'd be a fake Batman that would be killed because there was that those were other images that leaked <laughs> from there. 
But like there was, t- you know, there was talk about maybe that going and some other stuff. But oh, one where he plays dead and then he's in yes, the garbage. Yes, yes, yeah, the uh, yeah, the killing of of Ga- you know, the death of Gamble scene. That was another one that they thought they might cut. Um, and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad they didn't. And you know, it's also, you know, we're also fortunate that Nolan prioritizes doing so much in camera and on set that Heath was done. There wasn't like any ADR or anything that he had to do, you know, that he had left to do. Like he really was, he had really been able to complete his performance and, you know, Nolan was able to preserve that. He was already at that point, he was on a a little bit of a break from the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. And of course we know he didn't get to finish that one. So like his role was, he was what Johnny Depp, Jude Law and who, and Colin Farrell ended up playing like his character. They made up something to him to, excuse for him to look differently uh, throughout that film. Um, but, it, and I remember hearing all the stuff of like, Oh, was it playing the Joker that drove Heath Ledger crazy and, and all of those things. But it was also a very difficult personal time for Heath Ledger. It had been just a few months since he and Michelle Williams had split up and they were, you know, they had obviously been together a long time and had a child together. Um, he was also very, very sick. I remember up until like right before he had, like, like, the flu or he something. Had a walking pneumonia is what he had. And then he had, you know, a lot, unfortunately, you know, he had a lot of different prescription drugs and he, you know, he overdosed on them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really buy it. I thought the whole, like, Oh, the jo- you know, playing the Joker is what killed him. All that stuff. I just found to be, that was just people's, you know, shameless media, like sensationalizing a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't think that really played a factor into it. It was, it was just a tragedy. You know, it was the, it came back and ruled as an accidental overdose, not an intentional one. And so like, I, and you know, it, it can happen, especially for a guy who was not, uh, probably not in his best emotional state, but you know, only, I mean, only Heath Ledger knows what he was going through at that point in time, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, and that's, and unfortunately, so it will remain a mystery as to what exactly was going through his mind when all of that went down. But uh, it, it really is just a tragedy. And, and, and it's, you know, our the stuff for us as fans, like it's real. I'm not dismissing it. But obviously, you know, there's a father and a mother who lost their son. You know, there's people who lost their siblings. There's, uh, you know, a small child who lost her father. And, and basically, you know, now it's who looks exactly like him. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that now, you know, how old she is now. I mean, now she's a teenager, um, you know, and but, uh, you know, and she unfortunately didn't get to really know her dad at an age where she's going to remember him. It's just more about watching stuff with him and being, you know, being told about him. And right. and that's the real of course, the, all of that is like that's the real tragedy of it um, or that's the, the primary tragedy of it. Uh, but I remember. Yeah. And there were all those concerns, of course, as fans. But I think uh, the main thing that affected me emotionally wasn't even so much the worry about what would happen to the dark Knight, or what would happen to a potential sequel? I mean, there were those concerns, but it was just, you know, I, I just had so much respect and admiration for the way the guy had been approaching the role. Uh, and, and I think, and the fact that I already had seen some of the performance, thanks to the prologue and thanks to the trailer of like, this guy really invested in this role and I can actually see that it's worked. And, uh, you know, and so it was it was a difficult thing. And, and of course, at the time, the viral marketing had already been on a little bit of a break anyway. It hadn't really picked back up like it went through kind of, you know, December uh, to get the prologue and the trailer out. And then it had kind of slowed down anyway, because like over Christmas and holidays, they weren't really trying to mess with it. And uh, and so then it, it and then after Heath's death, it, there was kind of another few weeks of silence. And then it started ramping back up, but that was when it pivoted to 
talking about Harvey Dent. And I'll, as I said before, I mean, I'll always wonder, you know, did did the viral marketing campaign? I think there always would have been some Harvey Dent stuff, but I think they would have kept more of the Joker stuff going if uh, if Heath had still if Heath had still been around. But the Harvey Dent stuff uh, it was it was still fun. Like it just to kind of give you an example of what was going on there. Uh, it became this whole thing of the whole I believe in Harvey Dent, which actually is a thing that, you know, like Bruce Wayne talks about in the movie. So that's where it was kind of cool that they actually pulled it from the movie talking about this I believe in Harvey Dent campaign. And, and it was it. It's in the long Halloween as well. That's where yeah. it kind of originated. So. Yeah. And uh, I remember like and it was a legit campaign because I went to a campaign rally and march in downtown <laughs> L.A. In 2008, I think it was March, February, March 2008. I think it was March. Uh, and yeah, so there we were. Uh, they handed us signs, and we it and it actually it was a pretty good turnout. There was probably I don't know like 40 or 50 of us. Maybe. So <laughs> like so like 48 more than the Cider Cup people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we definitely had a bigger we definitely had a bigger group than the people who were walking around uh, or taking a picture out in front of Warner Brothers. Uh, but no, like we were downtown LA, like, or actually, no, it was more, no, 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 not downtown. It was Hollywood. Cause we were at the walk of fame. And so we were in, we were in Hollywood and we were like, we meet up in this parking lot and there's this, I believe in Harvey Dent thing, like on a van. It's like this big sign on this white van and they hand out like the, they hand us out our little campaign signs. And I think they gave us t-shirts too. And, and so there we are, like, we're all uh, we're run, we're walking through Hollywood, and everybody. And thank God it was Hollywood. Otherwise, people would have really been weirded out. But I guess <laughs> people bought it. So there's this huge group of Batman fans just walking around, just marching through Hollywood with these campaign signs for this politician who doesn't exist, and is going. Uh, and, and our chant was, "We believe in Harvey Dent. Take back Gotham." And that was our chant over and over and over again. I think we walked around for like, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes or something like that. And then we dispersed and, and whatever. But I still have my I still have my I believe in Harvey Dent campaign sign from that march. Uh, it was uh, it was fun. And and also, you know, like it was I think it was a, a great kind of event because, you know, you were that was the first time I got to like since Heath's passing that I got to interact in person with a lot of other fans. And obviously I interacted with fans at the prologue event. Uh, cause this is not like, uh, again, it's, it's so weird because 10 years isn't that long ago, but it kind of is. And still in terms of like the way people talk about like their geek stuff now versus then. And like, it was, it was better then it was better at that time than it was like 20 years ago. But still at the time, like I didn't have a lot of people like that I could meet up with in person to talk about my nerd stuff. Like all my nerd stuff was with my pals online. So like actually being able to get out there and, you know, meet up with other fans and interact with other fans and everybody kind of, you know, pro still kind of processing and reeling from this news about, uh, from, you know, from the death of Heath. And so like for everybody to just kind of be able to process that together and then just go out and kind of have some fun with the movie again, uh, I remember there was uh, that that ended up being a really, you know, a really fun day that had, that ended up being I mean, it was a totally silly thing, but it was just a great opportunity and a great kind of community experience with fellow fans. And that's one of the things I love most about the viral campaign is like, you know, it just brought so many fans together, whether they were just interacting with each other online or because there were so many events that people were going to that it just created so many opportunities for fellow fans to go out and meet each other. 
So now we come to like the crux, if you will, of actually seeing the film. Now, well, you skipped a tra- you skipped another trailer. But... Oh, did we? Oh. <laughs> yeah, there was another. There was the uh, here's my card trailer from. Uh... Oh, and then there was the there was the Jokerized version of that, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think there was a Jokerized version of the first full trailer as well. They did it for both of them. Um, and there were also tons of posters and jokerized versions of the posters. And then there the there I I I'm too fat, but I used to have the Joker. There was a bunch of Joker uh, t-shirts I had. Like mm-hmm. one was like white, and it had like the like one of the Joker, but I can't wear it anymore. Like I'd be wearing it right now, but I'm way too fat for it. Ten yeah, years. No, I still. Ten years. <laughs> I kept you know a lot of those Joker shirts. Like I wore them out. You know, I mean, I wore them, I put holes in them. Like, I was wearing them all the time. Uh, but I still, I have one that I kept, which is the, I mean, obviously I have other joke shirts, but like original, like Dark Knight marketing, like shirts. Uh, I do have that first Joker image because they made that a t-shirt. Uh, and they put and they put that out like not long after the image was revealed. So that, because as far as I know, that was the first official t-shirt released for the Dark Knight. And, and you got so, a hot topic, I assume. Yep, hot topic. Yep. And so I got that. Uh, and I also have, by the way, the first T-shirt released for Batman Begins. So that's a really old T-shirt now. <laughs> like it's just like the it is the Nolan version, you know, of the bat symbol, and it's just kind of like that bronze, like sepia kind of outline of a symbol. Like the symbol's still black, but there's just enough of an outline that you can see it against a uh, you know the rest of the T-shirt, which is also black. Uh, but yeah, like I have, uh, but the, yeah, that was my, that's the main Joker shirt that I kept just cause it was the first one. So I don't really wear it anymore cause I don't want anything to happen to it. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I just keep it. It's in like my t-shirt hall of fame. So nothing happens to it, but, uh, yeah, it's been worn plenty. I, I bought that shirt when I was like 160 pounds and it was too skit too, too tight for me then. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to know what it'd be at like two ten. So we'll just. I, it's somewhere in Michigan. I don't wear know where. I don't want to know where. As long as it's somewhere in Michigan, I'm happy. Yeah. So no, I. I know where. Uh, I know where mine is. Like I can look at like the box it's in from here. But yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, now I just I focus on preserving it because I lost my other ones just because I was like wearing them too often and just wore the you know literally wore them out. But uh, so for that first one, I'm like, okay, I got to stop. I got a whole. I got to keep this one. Um, yeah, there were the two trailers, mm-hmm. and they showed they showed a lot more Joker stuff. And interesting really- thing. Interesting thing about that second trailer, and this is what weirded. I know it actually weirded me out a little bit when I saw the when I saw the movie. Is a lot of the stuff that's in that trailer, especially the Joker stuff, because that was where we got like the a lot of the first footage of like the mob meeting and stuff like that they used different takes for the trailer than they did in the actual movie. So I remember there were specific shots that I was looking for and also line deliveries that I was expecting in, uh, in the film. And I was like, Oh, that's different. But then like, it was still cool. So I didn't care obviously. Uh, but I, re- I remember that being kind of a thing of some people. I, I remember it didn't bother me. Like I noticed it, but I, I remember some other people like their first viewing, it kind of bugged them because they were like, Oh, well that's not what I expected. Cause I saw these shots and these, I heard these lines in the trailer and it doesn't quite look or sound like that. Like the kill the Batman line for sure. Because I, that was and, the one. And here's my card. Like it was, it, there's a snappy delivery to it in the trailer, but in the movie, it's just, here's my 
card. Like it's you know completely completely different attitude and delivery on it. I remember that it's much different because that is what those were the two ones that they would use mm-hmm. for the like them reporting on Heath Ledger's desk because they would play that trailer yeah. over and over again on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. I think even I think I even saw something on CNBC about it. But they would just keep playing those joke, those like little yep. three, four second Joker vignettes. And like that was all we would see of it. So I'm like, God, man, they're really trying to make me sad today by playing this again, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the two trailers came out and like the hype machine was getting to it. And I remember right before Kevin Smith did an interview. I don't think he did a podcast. But it was like the very first iteration of like something like a podcast, where it's mm. just audio and it, well, there was no, um, there was no video to it. Where he was mm. just talking about the Dark Knight, and he's like, "The Dark Knight is the Godfather two of like the Batman world." He goes, "This movie is so amazing that you know I they really." And I was like, "Ooh," because you don't know how these movies are going to turn out. So, yeah, no, I mean, I had I'll say I mean, I had ridiculously high expectations for Dark Knight. In fact, I it was I remember I did it. I was on the Batman on film message board and I posted in March of 2008. So this is a few months before the movie was out. And I remember posting that I thought it would be like, you know, because I don't even remember what the original topic was, but we were taught we got on the subject of uh, how good we thought the movie was going to be and how good we thought like everybody would think the movie would be. And I said at the time, I was like, I was like, the Dark Knight's going to get nominated for Best Picture and Heath Ledger is going not just going to get nominated, but he's going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Like, I was just like, that's just where. You know, that's just where my expectations were at. But I know not everybody was there yet because there was still, you know, as you were saying, like, but like once people started seeing the movie, though, and you he- started hearing those reactions, because uh, I didn't get into one of those super early press screenings. Like, I didn't get a press screening at all. My early screening was because of the viral campaign. I wasn't as fancy back then in 2008. <laughs> like, I didn't have all the perks that I've got now. Uh, so it was, uh, I remember like that, yeah, when that first round of screenings happened, and people were like talking about like Kevin Smith and other folks and other people that I knew had been at the screening. And I was like, Oh damn, like this. Cause even though I, I had high expectations for it, it's another thing when people are like actually seeing it and being like, Oh no, it really is this good. Yeah. I remember I was like, Ugh, is it good? I, I just, I remember having dreams and it, oh, this only ever happened one other time with Batman begins where I would have dreams of seeing the movie like seeing like specific things yeah. in the movie and people are te- like, like the aftermath of like people saying how great it was. Like literally that's how obsessed that, like I was having dreams about these movies. I didn't have one yeah. about Dark Knight Rises. Maybe that's why that movie kind of sucks balls these days, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks subconscious. Um, but yeah, the, the seeing the movie, let's, let's jump into that. I'm sure yeah. we're like four hours into it. So um, I, I'm going to start with Kyle. Where did you see it? What was your, you know, your expectations going in? What did you think coming out? Um, and let's let's just start there. Kyle, go for it. Because we haven't heard you talking like. Yeah. Like yeah. Hey, 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 everybody, 
Hey, it's listeners. his own fault, though. He, he wasn't part of the, he <laughs> that, wasn't part of the viral marketing fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like I missed a pretty crazy year here, but I've, I've really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about it because it kind of makes me hope that maybe one day, not necessarily Warner Bros., but hopefully one day we get like more of this happening in movie media. That, that I, I like stuff like that. I, it's kind of a shame that's kind of gone away to the wayside. Like No one does it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, as far as... Seeing the Dark Knight, I remember me, my two buddies, and their sister, we all went to go see the Dark Knight at the local theater. Uh this was like probably like a week or two after it had already come out. So it wasn't So at- is this is this Lapeer or Grand Blake? It would have been Lapeer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, it wasn't super jam packed. I mean, like, yeah, it was a pretty full theater for obviously being like a week after, you know, it wasn't seek to see or anything like that. It was, it was but yeah, so we went to go see it. And like I said, I had almost no expectations of like what to actually expect because I mean, I watched Batman Begins like earlier in the day before I went to see the movie and then I went and saw it in the evening. So that's wait, hold up. Stop. We have to. I have one thing to say. I'm sorry, Kyle. Do it. Well, I forgot. Batman Begins was released on like there was like a re-release of Batman Begins and they actually had like the the prologue attached for it. Did they? You guys remember that? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, continue. Oh, I just had to throw it in there. Man, that's that's awesome that they did that. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that though. If uh, you go, go to your Batman Begins Blu-ray or DVD, and it's there. Yeah, it was attached to. It was no, yeah. It was when they put because Batman Begins was originally released just on DVD, and then Warner Brothers backed HD DVD initially. So that <laughs> that, that oh. was the first that was the first high definition version of Batman Begins. <laughs> And so it wasn't until uh, like June or July of 2008 that they finally released Batman Begins on Blu-ray and the prologue was attached to that Blu-ray. Nice. <laughs> HD, I forgot that was a thing. HD, yes, it was. DVD. It existed. It was, a, it was a, if you have never seen fans, if you have never seen HD DVD, it's a red bar. It looks yeah, like a red DVD, bar. but it's, a, it's just a red bar. It says HD DVD. HD. Okay. I of course Warner Brothers with the would would back <laughs> back the wrong horse. It's almost kind of poetic in a way, isn't it? It happens. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> go ahead, Kyle. So I, have, I was like, no, it's all good. It's all good. That's gonna. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. So that that opening prologue, we've already talked about a whole bunch before now, but that just gripped me. I was I was hooked. I was like, I'm not leaving the seat. I'm not moving my eyes to the sides. I'm I'm watching this. I'm I'm glued here. I'm I'm committed. And then the movie just goes on. And obviously we've all seen the Dark Knight, so it's amazing. But I remember mm-hmm. one thing in particular that really stood out to me was like halfway through the movie, like a little bit after the part where Joker starts killing the people to try to get Batman to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend's sister actually walked out of the theater and she didn't come back in for the whole rest of the movie. It wasn't until afterwards where you walk, where you go outside and we talked to her. She's like, she was just so freaked out. The Joker was like, she already, mm. she was going to have nightmares from what she already seen just the first half of the movie alone. That really stood out to me because yeah, after you see the movie and you think about like, oh man, he Fletcher's Joker. Like this is a performance that you don't see very often. It, it only comes mm. around maybe once a decade. And this was this decade's like big stand up performance. Mm-hmm. Not just for comic book movies, but just like movies in general, I feel like. Yep. But yeah, like that to me just, just kind of like changed everything 
in my opinion. Like I was a big Batman fan before then. Like I remember watching the cartoons and I saw mm-hmm. Batman Begins and I really liked it. But this one was really when I'm like, this is a whole new level. Like there's definitely something here that everyone needs to be paying attention to. Everyone needs to experience this at some point. What it, what, what scenes, what moments for you, Kyle, uh, stood out for you then and still kind of have its place for you? It's almost easier to talk about which scenes don't stand out. Yeah, it's a shorter <laughs> list. It's a much shorter um, list. But one scene that I always think the back tangerine. to... The tangerine? It's not the tangerine, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the one scene that always stood out to me the most and one I enjoy the most to this day is the confrontation between the Joker and Batman near the end of the movie where he's on the road and he's taunting Batman to try to hit him with yep. the bat pod. Because that, to me... It just stands out to me because I'm like, man, the Joker, he's like in he he thinks he's inside Batman's head. He thinks he has him figured out. He he thinks he's in control here. And in a way he kind of is. Because mm-hmm. he knows Batman won't do it. He's trying to break him. Well, he want he he really does like he that's why he says, like, come on, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Like, yeah. like the Joker doesn't care about dying. He's not afraid of that. Oh, yeah. Like he because he's like, if Batman kills me, I win. Yep. Like that's all Joker wants is like he wants to corrupt. He wants to corrupt people who think that they're good. So he wants to corrupt Harvey Dent. He wants to corrupt Batman. And like Batman is the ultimate prize. Absolutely. And, uh, you know. And so like yeah, that's why it stood out to me. Is like yeah, that's that's Joker. Like he, the Joker would happily lay down his life if it means, you know, Batman broke his rule and Joker wins. It's almost like this chaotic game of cat and mouse that the two of them are playing yeah it was really really well done yep what did you think of the i was gonna say what did you think of the imax shots but you you saw it in lapierre so they didn't have it was it was a standard theater nothing special about it how many times did you see the movie in theaters i think i ended up seeing that one twice i'm pretty sure i saw it twice like i said the first time i saw it was a little later than everyone else about a week or two and then i remember seeing it again like another week or two later you know before it started uh really losing momentum but you know it kind of happens nowadays where the momentum's everything but whatever um but yeah i remember enjoying it just as much if not more the second time around even though the first one was already like this this huge experience experience for me the pacing of it, what did you... Because that movie just zips through. Like, it's like a oh, two-hour, yep. 30-minute tw- movie. Yeah, and it's about it two just, and a half. Yeah. And it zips through, Kyle. What it, it, what, it feels like a 90-minute movie to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Does it still feel like that to you, even when you watch yeah. it today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I see people every once in a while talk about how, you know, maybe it's not a very well-paced movie, and I I just don't agree with that sentiment at all. It It... It's one of the best pace movies I've ever seen. Um, another something that was after the aftermath of Dark Knight is people complained about that there were too many endings. When you saw the Dark Knight for the first time, did you think that there were too many endings? Because it ends with you know Batman and the Joker, then it ends with Harvey and you know Harvey Gordon Batman. Then you have the ending, like the actual ending of the movie. Did you have issues with that, like some people did? No, I I, I didn't feel like that at all. You, you mean you're talking to someone that was a big fan of Lord of the Rings, so. 
That movie, <laughs> The Return of the King has what, like six, seven endings or something like that? Yeah. The Dark Knight only had like a quarter of the endings of Return <laughs> right. of the King. So right. it's really, that's really no problem. <laughs> yeah. So then it, that didn't bother me at all. Sean, how yep. many times did you see this movie in the theaters? First run 10 times plus one more for the January re-release. I beat you all like combined. Wow. I beat you both. I, I saw wow. it 15, I saw it 15 nice. times in the theater. Um, what is so you seeing it for the first time? Tell me your experience. Where were you? Who were you with? Well, thankfully, it was early because, and again, I wasn't fancy, it wasn't a press screening invite, but because of the viral marketing campaign, I was, I saw it on Tuesday, July 15th, 2008. I was at the Universal City Walk IMAX, so right, City Walk's right outside of Universal Studios. For those of you who don't know LA. And so I remembered my prologue experience, uh, you know, of I showed up three and a half hours early for six minutes and I was 50th in line. So this is the whole movie. So I'm going to have to show up early. So I got there eight hours early. Whoa. Maybe a little, maybe a little more than eight hours early, but I was first in line. So I Whoa. was first in line. It was just me because I don't remember if I even had a plus one to that. Um, Nerd. I don't, well, no, I don't even know if we were, I can't even remember if I was allowed to have one because it was a viral marketing thing. I don't remember if they gave us plus ones or not, but I think maybe I could have, but yeah, I didn't have friends. So I, uh, no, fucking I nerd. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. I, I no, I remember like there was nobody else who was, cause I was like OCD about the movie and I didn't want to bring anybody else because I didn't want them to first off be bitching that we were getting in line eight hours early. Like I knew I was being psycho about the whole thing. So I'm like, I'm not going to put anybody else through that. Like I'm just going to go do this for me. And so got there super early. There was no line set up. So I'm like talking to the theater people. I'm like, Hey, I'm here for this screening tonight. Like, where are we starting the line guys? And so like <laughs> they brought out the stanchions and like whatever they, to their credit, they hooked me up and they started the line and so then sure enough, like, you know, it was so funny, though, for like the first, I don't know, two or three hours, there were like three of us in line. There were like two guys that came up not long after me, uh, you know, and then so we were I mean, they were there within like a half hour when I got there. But then it was like just the three of us for a long time. And then like other people started coming in. And so, of course, first in line, got my choice of seat. And it's a great IMAX there at Universal City Walk. Like it's a it's another true IMAX like. Nolan uses that IMAX a lot, like when he does press events and press screens for his movies. Like that's where they did all the junket screenings for Dunkirk. That's where he showed the Dark Knight Rises prologue for the first time to press was at that theater. And so uh, I know that one is is a favorite of Christopher Nolan, so I was excited about going and seeing it there. And so when I uh, and so like yeah, it was just all day like waiting in line, whatever. And then when I got in and I sat down and I watched the movie. It's kind of a different experience, though, because like to me, the movie didn't start until after the prologue because I'd already right. seen the prologue right. 8000 times. So like when I'm watching the prologue, I'm like, I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's great. And I love it. And I continue. I love watching that scene. But like, but you know, you had that question, what's going to happen next? There was that part of me in my head that was like, I'm so used to this shutting off after this moment that I'm like, my greatest fear was like, it was the move. The rest of the movie was not going to play after the <laughs> prologue. Like something was going to happen. Like, you know, the projector was going to go out or something. <laughs> and like, you know, 
I, and I also remember another thing is like standing. It's like at this point it was July. I'm outside. It's hot, but I'm also like not drinking anything the entire day because I'm like I'm intentionally dehydrating myself so I won't have to pee during this movie. Guys, <laughs> guys, guy, Sean's making weight for the fight. Yep. Sean's making weight. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm just gonna sweat all this fluid out so it can't go out through anywhere else. So like I need, <laughs> so I don't have, have to get up and go to the bathroom during this damn movie because I knew it was a little bit longer. And so then like, yeah, when the prologue kept go like when the movie kept going after the prologue i was like i'm here now like i'm watching this movie and then so standout moments you know besides the prologue obviously um uh the the magic trick to me was like the ultimate thing and because that's the first time we see joker in like full like joker garb right purple suit the whole thing and just I was like, what a perfect way to start off this performance. I mean, I know you hear the little slow laugh and everything in the shot of him behind first when he's walking in. But to me, just the how about a magic trick and then boom. <laughs> and then I just remember like the our entire crowd. And it wasn't just this screen. It was also when I went and saw like general public screenings later of like, da da, it's, ah, it's gone. Like and everybody's just losing their minds. Like it's perfect. People are applauding because like. It was two seconds, and like it was like this is the greatest Joker performance of all time. I don't care. Like this is this is already here, and yeah. So the mob scene, and it just keeps going. I love the mob scene so much. Uh, I also love that first scene, like after the prologue though, of Batman, you know, taking down the Scarecrow and like the fake Batman and all that other stuff. Because oh, that was another viral campaign. I still have my keychain, my Citizens for Batman. That, that was. Uh, I still have that. That's still attached to my keys now. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like they, I remember like that Batman because I always wanted a scene like that. I always wanted a scene of like it's not a big deal. Like it's not like some huge. I mean, it 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 doesn't form the plot. But at the same time, like I just want Batman showing that he's awesome, like just kicking ass on some criminals. Like I always wanted a scene like that in a Batman movie. And and uh, I mean, we hadn't I didn't think we really got one like that since Batman 89, you know, up on the rooftop, the whole who are you on Batman thing. Like I loved that scene so much as a kid. And. And so it kind of reminded me of that. So that scene stood out to me. Joker with the mob. Uh, pretty much, I mean, pr every single scene with the Joker, let's be yeah. honest. Uh, and then, uh, but also uh, another one that's, that maybe isn't as high up on other people's list, but is very high up on mine, is that first conversation between Dent and Gordon. I love Gary Oldman's dialogue in that so much. Like, one of my favorite lines is the film is, I don't get political points for being an idealist. I have to do the best I can with what I have. Mm -hmm. Like, when Dent's giving him shit for having guys that he investigated when he was in internal affairs. Unfortunately for Gordon, both of the people Dent name drops, <laughs> like, betray him in the movie. So, I guess Gordon should have listened. Spoilers! Uh, <laughs> that foreshadowing. The movie, the movie is 10 years old. So, <laughs> there's no such thing as spoilers. Uh, yeah, so there's that one. Um, yeah, the uh, the final scene, of course, between Joker and, and Batman, as I mentioned before. But you know, the big one for me is the interrogation scene. The interrogation scene is, it is what I always wanted from a Batman movie. I always, always wanted Batman and the Joker just not fighting, just sitting across from each other, just sitting across the table from each other, hashing their shit out. And, you know, just highlighting the differences in the in their philosophies. And, and you just get that, especially more, more so with Joker as he just lays out his whole logic of it. But everything was so perfect about that. And that's where you really get into the idea of just the different comic book influences that are such a huge part of it. Like, 
Joker telling multiple stories about the scars is like the him saying like if, you know if I'm gonna have a pass I prefer be multiple choice in the killing joke but his speech in the dark in the interrogation scene it's very Grant Morrison Joker it's very Arkham Asylum Joker where he's talking about the whole super sanity thing I'm not a monster I'm just ahead of the curve but then like the way it escalates or actually even before Batman's in that scene like I I love those looks that Heath Ledger gives to Gary Oldman in the scene like who did you leave him with your people? And he just eyeballs him all <laughs> giving him that stink eye. That's amazing. <laughs> but I, the, the other part of the interrogation that stands out to me so much is when Batman starts kicking the Joker's ass and he's just punching him and he's punching him. And then he hits him and he hits this one punch and it's the last one. It's the last punch that he hits Joker with. And Joker just bursts out into this laugh. And I remember being like, God damn, Heath Ledger, you actually, well, I wasn't thinking Heath because I was thinking Joker. I was like, I was like, the Joker finally freaked me out because I was always this weird thing of like, the Joker didn't freak me out. I just loved the character so much. And I was always just having so much fun with him. I'm like, that's disturbing. Like, this dude just got slugged in the face. And he and loves he, it. And he is just having the time of his fucking life right now. And I was just like, oh, there's something so wonderfully disturbing about this. Um, it was just, yeah, it, it was absolutely terrific. I mean, the, the the Brian Douglas scene is also a little freaky, but the, the the main one for me is yeah, him just bursting out laughing. Interesting point about that, though, and this is another reason I love the film so much. It's the last time Batman punches the Joker in the movie. He doesn't punch him in their final interact and like their final fight. He just, I mean, he throws him off the roof or whatever, but he catches him. Like Batman doesn't really act violently towards the Joker after that because he actually realizes in that moment it doesn't work. Like he's not. That that he can't beat the Joker that way, and that's a real punch too. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like Heath was like punch me in the face really hard. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so like I love that I, I love that like that you know that you kind of see Batman learn from that uh, and the fact that he doesn't he doesn't actually physically punch the Joker again for the rest of the film, uh, and that's not the way because that's not the way you're going to beat him. And then you know going all the way through it, if you talk about like moments that maybe had the biggest emotional effect i actually got teary-eyed and was crying a bit when when uh the joker is walking out of the hospital in the nurse costume because in imax like it's a beautiful i mean it's great in standard theaters but like in imax you get the aspect ratio so you see all of heath like you can see the, the crocs that he's wearing everything but i just remember and i guess that was another moment of me like besides his line about being destined to do this forever i guess that was another moment where I was remembering that Heath had passed because, and the re, and I think the reason I got kind of teary eyed is I, I, I could tell at this point, like, I know we're getting toward the end of this movie. Like I know we're, we're ramping up here. We're in the final act of this film. And it just felt like, cause his performance had been so perfect already up until that point. And I knew it was going to end perfectly as well, but like that sequence just felt like the victory lap to me. Like, and it always feels that way to me. That's, I know his performance goes on beyond that moment, but that moment to me feels like Heath's victory lap. And so I remember getting emotional watching that of just thinking this guy just delivered this perfect Joker performance. This, you know, this is the best iteration of the Joker that I've ever seen. And I have a lot of Joker iterations that I deeply love from animation to comics and elsewhere, but this is my favorite version. And this guy just, he's absolutely nailed it. And we're just, now we're, you know, now we're about to bring it all home. And so that was a huge emotional scene for me. And then, of course, I mean, come on, man, Batman, Batman's speech at the end and then Gordon's speech at the very end. I mean, how do you not just absolutely love that? Like, how do you not just get that like 
lump in your throat. Like when you hear like Gordon say, you know, a dark night and just, you know, the dark night, you're just like, oh my God, this is, this is like the greatest thing. So for me, going back 10 years, um, I remember going, I can't remember exactly what time, but I remember I was dressed up. So I looked like the Joker. Like, I was in full, like, Halloween costume, full makeup. It's July in Michigan, so it's super hot, super humid. Sweating it all off. And I re- and I was the second person in line. I was pissed off that I wasn't the first. <laughs> <laughs> I got in there. I had to have been there, like, five or six. So I'm like, if I get there at five or six, um, I think I'll be good. Like, I remember, like, this was, like, a big deal for me, getting to this moment, seeing the dark night. And I remember my parents like, all right, you know, like, you know, hope you like it. Like my parents aren't like those people like, you know, are in your life like that. But I remember them like, like telling me like, all right, well, you know, be safe and everything. Enjoy the movie, blah, 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 blah. Because they knew like what this movie, like this emotional roller coaster we've gone on since like Mm -hmm. after Batman Begins. So I remember getting to the theater and I was second in line. I was like, who the fuck is before me? Like, what is <laughs> this bullshit? So I'm second in line. And so I'm seeing it at the Grand Blink Trillium. And Kyle's been there. So where the IMAX is, is completely separate from where mm. the, like the regular, like you have to go on this. There's like other theaters but like yeah. it's kind of like this own little like little room, this own little standing place. Like they have drinks, uh, like a drink, like a like a machine where you can get your drinks to refills, so you don't have to go mm-hmm. to the very front. And I remember like a cup, like I I went with my buddy who I'm not friends with anymore, which is weird. Um, and this is like a start of relationship with my best friend, who I'm still best friends with this day. We just started working together. I was like, hey man. I have an extra ticket to see the Dark Knight. Are you in? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. What time should I get there? I was like, I'm in line right now. He's like, why are you in line right now? The movie starts at midnight, 1201. I was like, you're going to want to get here early. I'm not saying, like, I was an asshole then. I'm like, I'm not yeah. saving your seat. I'm not saving you. Like, you have to get here now. I'm not standing for anyone. Yeah. So, uh, so I remember the line started, like, a couple hours in. It was just you know, me and these like couple people and uh, this girl's boyfriend came cause she was first in line, but then her boyfriend came and then like it started getting packed. And so I'm in full Joker makeup. My buddy who I went with is in full Joker makeup. And all of a sudden the news cameras get there. I'm like, Oh shit. They're going to ask me to interview me. So somewhere there is an interview with me in full Joker <laughs> makeup from 2008 from july 18 2008 i don't know where it's at i know my mom taped it i think i hope <laughs> i never see that ever ever i don't want to see it it's one of those things like you know they're gonna play it at your funeral like look at this asshole <laughs> yeah so the so the line starts and i had to go to the bathroom and the so the line is the longest line I've ever seen at a movie theater ever. Like it goes out to the parking lot for just to see it in IMAX. And I remember that this was like one of the first movies that they were going to play like 24 hours. 
They played it at 12 o'clock. They played mm-hmm. it the next showing like 3, then the next showing like 7 a.m. or something. I'm like, I can't believe, like, this is this is a Batman. Like, this isn't like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Like, this is happening? They're going to play it like that? So it was like right before. So they, the news crew came in. They interviewed me, and it was like two hours before. So we were talking, and what how I remember the Batman Begins stuff is people behind me were talking about, man, I just watched the – I just saw the prologue. I just watched Batman Begins. I just bought the DVD and the Blu-ray or whatever, and I watched the prologue for the first time. Wow, I can't believe it. I was like, I know. It's awesome. We're just talking. And it was like everyone was excited and nerdy and everything mm-hmm. for this moment in time. It was amazing. And so like the so they did their – like the theater would always do their own – like for like the people who work there, their own screening right mm-hmm. before actual screening. So a guy came out. It's like I was like – so how was it? He's like, it's really good. He's like, can I spoil something for you? And I'm not, I hate spoilers. I was like, yes, you can spoil me. Like, it was like the sexual <laughs> tension between us. <laughs> yes, you can spoil me. He's like, scarecrows. And I was like, oh, fuck, yes. So we get in. I'm the second in line. So I get my, bu- my two buddies with me. So hold up. I, I take that back. Actually, they had to save a seat for me because they were doing the remote with the news channel. And I wasn't going to be in it for the, like a couple minutes. So I said, please, just save me a seat in the middle section of the theater at the middle seat. I'll sit in between both of you. I don't care. So we did that. So I did that. I went back in, and there I am. I had to take, my, I had to take the coat off. I had to take the – because I had this hair piece on. I looked like Gene Simmons, I think. Or <laughs> I looked like – no, I look like reggae uh, Gene Simmons because it was like uh, dreadlocks, but I spray painted mm. it green. So I just looked like Jamaican Heath Ledger <laughs> Joker. <laughs> I swear to you, I hope they never find this footage because it will just be like, I will never get a job. I'll never get married because of it. I just know it. So we get into it and like we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And then like finally 1201. Not, lights get dim and then we see like you know the like the like the bat flap yeah. or whatever and uh you know we see the fire the bat the the yeah. bat emblem that's on fire and then you see that first and ever i swear to you everyone gasped <gasps> like they couldn't believe how beautiful that picture looked and from the moment i just can't i just remember how fast that movie how fast paced it was and I, like there were moments like you know the batman stuff people were just like i would just look at, at you know i would creepily look at like audience <laughs> members because i was like this is my dream has come true people are like treating this movie like it's they're seeing like the godfather like they just can't take their eyes off of this movie i remember the 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 magic trick we see mm-hmm. Heath Ledger for the first, like the actual, like he's in full Joker regalia, and he puts the the pencil down. I was like, because I remember people writing reviews, wait for the magic trick, wait for the magic trick. Mm-hmm. So I thought thought it was gonna be like some switcheroo at the very end, because yeah. Chris Nolan had just done the Prestige, which is a magic movie. It's like, <laughs> oh, so there's gonna be like some switcheroo where like Gordon yeah. is gonna be crossover. Batman. <laughs> Gordon's gonna be Batman at the very end, and so like. 
He goes, I have a magic trick. And he put slams the pencil into the table, slams the guy's head, and he says something. But everyone is guffawing, laughing. So you can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, you can't hear. Like, you could hear the ta-da, but he also says very quietly, he's gone. Or, no, it's gone. He says, it's yeah. gone. And you can't yeah. hear because everyone busting yeah. out laughing. And then, like, that sequence is over. And then you see... You know, the next few sequences of, you know, uh, Bruce and Alfred and the, the, the cameras panning, let's do this 360 shot. I've never seen that before. Like, I probably have, but I'm just like, I can't believe how good the cinematography is. I can't believe how fast this movie is. And then it comes to the part where we see the Joker is playing dead and he does the why so serious scene. And then he breaks the pool stick. And he's like, you know, and I love that sequence where he's like, you know, you know, he goes, our operation's small, but there's room for, you know, aggressive expansion. And then we see the next shot yeah. uh, going to China. I was like, oh, my God, look how beautiful it is. And then they do the sequence where Batman is on top of that skyscraper and I'm getting motion sickness because <laughs> we're hanging around and it's super high up and I'm afraid of heights. So I'm like grabbing out of my chair because it's the first time I'm seeing like an IMAX movie. So I'm like, oh my God, no, I'm going to fall, which I, I just don't understand why I did that. And then like, I just remember like all the Heath stuff so much. And then we saw, you know, Harvey Dent. And then it started to get like, the movie started to really ramp up once the Joker started like, terrorizing the city of Gotham. He's mm-hmm. calling Batman out. And, you know, there's that sequence with he's talking to the mayor, with Harvey Dent's talking to the mayor. He tells Gordon, get the fuck out of our office. I got to talk some politics with, you know, the district attorney. And then, you know, he go, the uh, the mayor walks to the, to the uh, window and boom! Yep. Like two seconds later, everyone freaks out. Everyone's, I'm like, like jumping back. You don't expect it. But I remember seeing that photo of like Batman like being hung and everything. So I'm like, why didn't I notice? There's and then like the bat pot sequence, mm-hmm. like that was was awesome. And there's like I remember I was like, there's no music. Like usually like if this was like a Danny Elfman movie, like they'd be like did it did it like like there's like no music to the sequence. Um, I just can't. And then I think my favorite sequence, uh of the Dark Knight, of the Joker, is when he is on top of the money, and he slides down, and then he threatens threatens that. I remember seeing that. I had to wait, like, 30 minutes for the video to load. It was when they were showing, uh, like, clips from the Dark Knight, and I saw, and he whips his knife out, and he threatens the guy. He's like, you know, I'm gonna, he's basically like, I'm gonna chop you up and feed you to your yeah. to your dogs it was like which is such a gangster og move like he's a mobster he's threatening these guys and i was freaked out and i remember that sequence because i remember showing my parents this i was like you gotta watch this you have to see how amazing this is and they're like yeah that's really good so because <laughs> uh, <laughs> my parents are the most enthusiastic people in the world um so i just remember that and then you know getting the moment where uh, he pulls, you know, the wig off when he's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and everyone's laughing at that, and you can't hear what he's saying for that first couple of seconds either. When he says, you know, there's that long pause, and he goes, "Hi," everyone laughs again. Oh yeah. Hi. So 
Yeah, he says it like super like weird and creepy, but it's hilarious. And then we see like them blow up the candy factory, the hospital. I just like I I just remember I was like how that I remember walking out of there like I had a religious experience. Like I had saw Jesus for the first time. <laughs> you know that scene, you know that scene in Ten Commandments where Moses walks up to the mountain and he comes back like a changed person. He's got he's his like hair's like gray. It's like this perfectly coiffed like beard. Like that's mm-hmm. what it was for me. Like this religious religious experience for me seeing the Dark Knight. And I and so the, you know I drove home with my buddy. And we sat and we talked. And I had to work at like 7 in the morning. So it was like 4 in the morning. We sat and talked for like an hour and a half. I was like, what's going to happen? What, Like, what's, you know, what, are they going to recast a Joker? How are they going to do a sequel? They let they let it to be a sequel. Is Chris Nolan going to come back? Like, there's all these questions. Mm. And so that's the first time a movie that I went and saw that night again at like 6 o'clock. So that was my experience in The Dark Knight. And it, I still hold that movie as you know citizens came is my favorite movie and so is the dark knight and those two movies will always you know hold a special place in my heart i know it's long-winded but it is what it is no Um, i mean yeah i don't have a i don't really subscribe to the idea of a single favorite movie but the dark knight is definitely in that class of my all-time favorite movies with you know jaws and, and some others around there but uh, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal movie. I, I absolutely love it. That's not to say it's perfect. I have things I could nitpick about it. I'll yeah, always right now. <laughs> I will always no. I I, I want to like rip my ears off and like claw my eyes out when Nikki Cat is the passenger, the SWAT guy. Yeah, this Gordon's driving the vehicle. Like he is absolutely terrible. There's nothing. It's all. It's like maybe the worst writing that Christopher and Jonathan Nolan have ever done. <laughs> some of their worst direction. There's some really a bad, bad performance in that scene too. If you watch it, he's and one of the scenes where, where the, yeah. the helicopter comes up, he's holding a coffee cup. They also don't. Well, it's <laughs> yeah, there are some editing, which I think dark Knight got nominated for editing, which is a little weird. Cause like it, it has some editing issues. Like it's very obvious that the tumbler is going to land upside down. And it cuts to it landing right side up, uh, <laughs> you know, in in that role. I was like, it's, it's the on, uh, signature Batman cat reflexes installed in. The yeah, yeah, there's just there, you know, there are some things I don't I don't love about it. I do think some of the dialogue and the prologue from the other clowns is a little hammy and not delivered with enough energy. It doesn't even feel like it's real. It kind of feels like guys going through the motions a bit. So. Uh, but, you know, when I was first watching the prologue, I didn't care because I was just all about like what, what what's going to happen with the Joker. But in more rewatches, it's just kind of like, eh. well, and that was even before I saw the movie, though. Just the more I rewatched the prologue, some of that stuff bugged me. But it's mostly like small time stuff. You know, like, I don't have major issues with the Dark Knight. It's just some small things that I but it just puts it in the same category as everything else in terms of no movies perfect. Even my favorite movies of all time are not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway. What? I remember, I, the, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. no. Well, I also remember, like, besides my first viewing, like, I did go on opening night because, like, I ha- already had my tickets for midnight before I knew that, like, there was going to be a viral, you know, screening. But so I remember I went that Thursday night 
at midnight, so technically Friday. But I also stayed in my exact seat because, like, I had I got the seat that I wanted at midnight, and I also had tickets for the 3 a.m. showing. So, like, the theater crew is like, oh, we got to clean this place. I'm like, I'm not losing my seat. (laughs) 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 So I just sat there. And then, like, when they wanted to clean my row, I was like, uh, I was like, okay, if you're not going to let anybody else in the theater right now, like, I'll walk to the end of this row so you can clean. And then I'm walking right back to this seat. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, fine. So I must have annoyed the shit out of these poor kids who are working at 3 a.m. Uh so, yeah. It was the first movie like I remember that did that. I think Harry Potter did that. Like yeah. in the later. I, mean, I don't series. know if Dark Knight was the first, but it's definitely the first time I ever did like I did like back to back screenings of a movie, midnight and three AM. And so then when like I did not sleep that night because I literally went from watching it at midnight to watching it at three AM to just driving into work. Like or like going home, like showering real quick and then driving into work. I like, did that, that too. Was, and so uh yeah, but uh anyway, what were you about to ask me? What is the what is the lasting I don't want to get to this yet, but it's gonna be the last thing. Oh, who who got shortchanged in the movie? Was it Harvey Dent? Was it Batman? Nobody. What, so you know I, I, I do think that the Harvey Dent stuff just got overshadowed by Heath's performance. Well, I don't think it's in general, I would say that almost everything about the movie is overshadowed by Heath Ledger's performance, but that's not the movie's fault. You know, the script and the movie, I think, provide everybody who who needs, you know, the opportunity to to get their moments and everything. Like, I think it does a lot for Batman and Gordon and Harvey Dent and Joker. It's just that Joker got all the attention. You know, Joker got all the mainstream attention. Like one of the things that does bum me out is like Heath Ledger's performance was so good. I thought Gary Oldman also should have been nominated for best supporting actor for his performance in Dark Knight. I knew it wouldn't. I knew this comic book movie, as great as it was, was not going to get two acting nominations in the same category. Right. Um, I do think that uh, Batman is underrated in the movie because I've seen that as one of the more frequent criticisms of it, of it's not Bruce Wayne's movie, it's not Batman's movie. And I'm like, this entire movie is about Batman. It's just, it's Batman on the macro level. Like what is, what are all the impacts of Batman? So it's not just about Bruce Wayne personally, but the entire effect of Batman on a city, like on, you know, in, uh, you know, on, on all of the societal conventions, like and and how all of those things break down and how people respond to it. Like the whole movie is about, the entire concept of Batman. So it's about Batman just like Batman Begins was, but it's just in a different way. It's mm-hmm. just like, let's look at these other perspectives of it because Batman Begins already gave you the super like internal look at Bruce Wayne and his journey as Batman. So for Dark Knight, it was a chance to go to kind of expand on that idea, and I felt like that's what it was doing. So I never had a beef with uh with how batman was treated in the film and also didn't have a, a beef with uh you know harvey dent having such a big arc in the movie somebody like oh harvey dent has the arc of the movie and not bruce wayne i'm like they both do they both have an arc with as they're you know as they're learning about themselves and each other and that that completely informs the plot of the movie so i don't have you know i don't feel like the script or the story or anything like that. i don't feel like anybody got shortchanged by that i think it was just you know, as far as the actual attention, though, yeah, I mean, Heath took the air out of the room because 
it was it, it's an all time performance. I mean, it is as you you know as Kyle mentioned. I mean, a once in a decade, you know, it's like a generational type of performance. And so when that happens, yeah, everybody else kind of gets a little overshadowed by that. But you know, it's yeah, you know, that's just bound to happen. And it's unfortunate, you know, for for everybody else that they maybe don't get quite the recognition that they deserve. But it's there in the movie. It's just not what people, you know, what general audiences paid the most attention to. Uh, the there another scene that we kind of haven't talked about is the moment where Rachel is killed, and the emotional impact that it has not only on the audience but the mm. emotional impact that it has on Bruce and Alfred. And there's that there's that you know there's those vignette sequences where you see uh, Batman with this cape billowing with the racial. Mm-hmm. The voiceover, and he put, picks up the coin, and then he, he uh, and then the very next sequence is, uh, you know, Gordon talking about, you know, how the Joker wanted to get caught and be locked up in the MCU, yep. and then that very next sequence is, you know, the Joker, you know, they're in a cop car, you know, and he just sticks his head, he's like yep. a dog wagging his tongue at what he just done. That sequence right there is so phenomenal and so emotional. There was not, like, you could literally drop, you know, a, you know, a pin or a dime in the theater because it was so quiet and you would hear it. It would have, like, it'd have, like, an avalanche effect. Of, like, it was just an incredible sequence. Yeah, Everyone that shot of his head quiet. sticking out, yeah, that shot of his head sticking out of cop room, I mean, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. And, yeah, the shot of Batman standing on top of that pile of rubble with his cape just blowing in the wind uh, right before he kneels down and, and picks up the coin. It's just, uh, it's out, it's incredible. I mean, it's beautifully, beautifully shot. Um, and then from that day forward, every villain from Loki to whatever the name of Javier Bardem's villain was in Skyfall, like every villain wanted to get caught after that. <laughs> so like <laughs> Dark Knight was kind of the, the movie that, that started that trend. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, there's just so many, just so many terrific things. Well, another thing about the coin is, uh, you know, because I'm rewatching the movie today, it's it's something that I I kind of forget about, and except for when I rewatch the movie, then I'm I'm immediate, I'm always reminded of it. Is the fact that Dent actually thinks for a second that Rachel is alive, like you know, Batman puts the coin there on his little tray. He says, "I'm sorry, Harvey," but I don't think Batman understood that like he was about to give Dent like a little bit of false hope because when Dent picks up the coin, it's on the non burned side first. Mm-hmm. So he's, so he actually smiles a bit. Like he thinks Rachel might've actually made it. And then he turns it over and that's the confirmation that she's dead. And like, that's, so you see that moment where he snapped, like that is the moment where he snaps. See, when I watched that, I, until you said that, I never got that out of that scene. I always thought he had known. And that since he's been so, like once you come out of surgery, you kind of like forget. Like, mm. I, I, have you guys ever been in surgery before? Yep. So like you kind of like forget, like you're groggy, you kind of forget like where you're at, and then like things start coming back together, and then he picks up that coin and he remembers. So you saying that I'm not when I yeah. rewatch it again. No, there's I'm a like, little there's a little bit of relief on his face for just a second because like when he was when he got burned, like he thought Rachel was gonna die. And he sees the coin and he looks at it and there's like just that 
just for a split second, there's just a little bit of relief on his face. And then he turns and like, that's when he's like, Oh shit. Like for a half a second, he thought that like, Oh, she, she actually made it out. Somebody actually got her. Uh, and then realizes that's not what happened. And that's it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to re- rewatch it tonight after this ep- episode and watch that scene specifically. Cause I never got that when I watch it. I've seen it a hundred, 200 times. So <laughs> It's it's very that's definitely a new another thing that I like about, you know, his performance as a Joker is the little nuances that he was able to do the t- like it's not really it was talked about then, but not really talked about ne- so much now. You know, he did like the tongue, like he would lick his lips, run the tongue oh, all, over his scars, all those different all those different mannerisms and like, yeah, the lip smacking. The, he when just, he went to the hospital and he like got the hand, yeah, oh, the hand sanitizer. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many things like that were just kind of improvised. I think the hand sanitizer was, uh, also, also his, uh, his like, cause that really happened like that for real, like that the explosion stopped mm-hmm. when he was walking out of the, the hospital. Like it wasn't planned. It was supposed to go all the way through and it stopped. And rather than blowing the take, like Heath just kept going and like did the whole like shrugging his shoulders thing, like, you know, screwing around with the detonator and then like it goes off. And that was like his real reaction was like being surprised, like, oh, shit, like the explosion started again. So then he hurries up and gets in the bus and the it, thumbs up in the bus. Yeah, you can see <laughs> the guy in the but Yeah, you can see the thumbs up in the back of the bus of like, oh, Heath's in. Um, and you, that actually is in the I don't know if it was part of the original Blu-ray release of Dark Knight or if it was in like the ultimate trilogy set or whatever. But now the, there is that footage of Heath, like when he got inside the bus. <laughs> that uh, was the second one, the second release yeah. of it. Yeah, and so I mean that's that that footage is fantastic. I mean I get why they why they didn't put it in the movie, but it's it's pretty awesome. We forget about Lao too. Lao <laughs> uh, <laughs> adds like such a cool, like interesting little complexity to it that like you know for people who want to say that oh we never see Bruce Wayne do detective work in these movies, it's like. He did forensic accounting, man. Like, <laughs> I know the bullet gag is kind of goofy and weird, and I, I'm, I'm. If people want to criticize that, I don't, I don't care. Um, but like the fact that he like faked interest in a joint venture deal with this company just so he could look at their books uh, and figure out where their money was coming from, and and you know source all of that to find the mob's cash. Like, that's some pretty legit Bruce Wayne detective work right there. Counting one hundred and one, right there. Yeah, man, nailed it. So you got, uh, I mean, you got to give credit to that stuff, and it just added, you know, it added more dimension to it. And I think that's where, like, I think that's where, like, a lot of the the Godfather comparisons and stuff come from. Is it's, you know, there's so much to this movie uh, where, I mean, the movie, if you don't, if you take Batman out of it, like, if you take the bat suit out of it, if you take the Joker costume out of it, the movie still totally works because mm-hmm. it's just like it. It it is this crime thriller that just so happens to be about, uh, you know, a, a guy who dresses like a bat fighting a guy who dresses like a clown. But so many of the other elements to it are just, you know, more of a, you know, just more in line with what you would expect in any other type of modern crime movie. Uh, so it and it's cool, like an adding characters like Lau, because that, you know, Godfather movies have those characters. You know, like they just they don't they seem like they shouldn't be that integral to the plot, but they are. But speaking of Lau. You know, you mentioned Joker like sliding down the money and like the the speech he gives to the Chechen. Like, I just love my favorite part of that is when he throws that wad of cash at Dulao's head. 
<laughs> and it hits them. Yeah, but the, the other thing that, that like people forget about is like Lau's on top of that money when he lights it on fire. Like he burned Lau alive. Like, and that, what they must have, there must have been like some sort of note or something, because I'm sure Nolan had him like being like, ah, you know, like screaming. Like, I think his mouth is taped in the scene, so Maybe. I think like that's, I think that's their explanation for you know why he's not making a sound. But yeah, I mean, my guess is if if you hear a blood curdling scream from a dude who's being burned alive, that probably gets you an R rating. So yeah, maybe they just had to. You just kind of have to know that he's there, uh, and that's what's happening to him. Otherwise, you know, because they they do kind of the scene does allow you to forget that he's up there, mm-hmm. especially if you're you know a smaller child with thankfully a shorter attention span <laughs> to not know that Joker just burned that guy alive. The Bat Pod is one of the most original vehicles I'd have ever, like, forget the Millennium Falcon, forget the X-Wing, like, those things can't ever really, but to see that thing kind of, like, it, like, you can't turn that, you can't turn it, though, it's not, you can't turn it like a regular motorcycle. But at least you can go on it. Right, right. See, see that. So if you ever need to drive somewhere in a perfectly straight line. (laughs) <laughs> you're, good. you're good to go um the bat pod with because remember people that the original idea for the bat pod was he was gonna have the cape like in this pack and you see that pack yep. when he's on top of the building mm-hmm. and you never hear about it again because it billows and it bl- flows so perfectly and so brilliantly uh like from the bat pod like they thought that the cape was gonna get caught in the big wheel and it doesn't no nope. perfectly and it's such a great image to see you know at night you know in chicago lower whacker but something else that we have to talk about is the truck flip now we saw that truck flip yep. hundreds of times in the trailer but to see it on the big screen in mm. imax People lost their shit in the movie theater. Yeah. Like, what... That... And not only that, it's the Joker's in it. And then that it, that whole sequence is so perfectly... Because as soon as, like, no one... Everyone talks about the hit me sequence. But if you look at his performance as when he, like, jumps out of like the the cab he's like and then he kind of like get kind of like stumbles and he shoots off like yeah shoots the gun into the street yeah like that that sequence is amaze balls as well there's so many iconic moments from the dark knight yeah i mean i just one of my favorite parts is when he's still in the cab like it's earlier in the chasing he's like i like this job i like it (laughs) that part i remember yeah like with audiences like i remember well I mean, my first memory of the truck flip is always going to be watching it on YouTube, which was a completely different angle, but seeing this truck flip and then like seeing it in the first trailer and I was like, oh shit, there's the truck flip. But then seeing it like in the context of the actual movie, like part of the whole chase scene. Yeah, it was, it was like I had never seen it before. Uh, and then, but what got everybody was there was like the, there was the, oh, of like the truck flipping but mm-hmm. then, like, the applause of, like, the bat pod going up on the wall and flipping back and turning around, it was, like, the perfect little cherry on top of the Sunday that they just gave you. <laughs> like, I remember just everybody going, oh, wow, 
Like that was neat. <laughs> I'm like multiple multiple orgasms at once. Yeah, like just cheering for it. Like, oh yeah, all right. Oh, there's it a little was... more left. Here we go. Like, <laughs> it was so uh, yeah. Like people were just like it was all people were just all about it. But yeah, his performance in that. I mean, I just my yeah my favorite part. Like I mean, yeah, it's cool with like how it ramps up emotionally with like the whole hit me part of it. But my favorite part is be, is right before that when it's just like saying like just under his breath like come on, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Come on, like that's my favorite part of it. Is like that's you know I I just because he's just he's just so jacked like on adrenaline right now. Like the Joker is just so into this moment and he feels like he's about to he, like he really legitimately thinks like he might have a chance to win right here and now. Okay, I have a question for both of you. So, in the first screening of The Dark Knight, we the, the Harvey Dent, they're trying to get Harvey Dent to safety. He's in the, the police. What do they call that? The tr- Is it a police truck? My armored, dad's a cop. I just, it's an armored truck, I guess. It's an ar- yeah. yeah, it's an armored truck. So, there's a sequence where Harvey Dent is looking at this police officer. And the first time I saw it, I thought that that was going to be the Joker. Now, obviously, it couldn't have been right because the Joker had shot that dude. Mm-hmm. But the how kind of how it was edited, I was like, and the guy, if you look at like his, just as like, like you only get to see like his eyes and like his skin tint. Like I thought that was the Joker. Did anyone else think that, or did I just a crazy dumbass? No, I, I, I wouldn't call you a crazy dumbass, but no, I never <laughs> thought, I never thought that was the Joker. I definitely thought it was the Joker when you started talking about. It, I was like, oh, "That's something. Maybe, maybe someone else thought that." And I'm not a crazy dumbass. Kyle, did you think that was a Joker? No, that that wasn't something that stuck out on me. I'll have to pay attention to that next time I watch it and see if I get any vibes like that. Because there's that there's like this long pause of Harvey looking at where like I kind of thought like he was realizing, "Oh shit, I'm in here with the Joker." Because that's mm. what the Joker would do. Like he it's would true. Pl- no, that it totally is something that could have happened in the movie. But, so when I, when it came, when we you re, like realized that it wasn't the like I was like oh that would have been so cool, but it didn't take away from like the cool stuff that happened. And you know, and then we see you know Gordon because we everyone thought that Gordon was dead. I thought I was like, God damn, they killed off Gordon, and he wasn't. Oh, even I didn't think so. I, well, like I said, I had the whole movie spoiled so i i knew gordon faked his death i wasn't i wasn't worried about that i did not know that i thought i was like god they killed him before he was commissioner and then like you see him and like everyone in the theater is like yeah like it was such like you if you did not get to see that movie opening night you don't understand what that experience was and i just can't there's only a few other movies, like The Departed was the only other movie experience that I remember at the very end when they kill, everyone gets killed, everyone's like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't, but like Dark Knight was that as well, so, um, I'm trying to think, there might be one or two more things, uh, at the end of the film, with the emotional baggage I'm sure everyone had to go through. Actually, no, let's not do that. Um, the the award circuit really mm. shined heavily on this film. Yep. Where it did it hasn't really done so for superhero films before. Like Batman '89 won an Academy Award for you know production design, but yep. for the Academy to really shine and the supporting actor. 
category for Heath Ledger and the, all the technical award. I think it won like a total of like four, six, four or six Academy Awards. Uh, I think so, it won. I think it won like two or three. Yeah, oh, fuck me. I'm so well. I said four, so I'm kind of close. Um, but what did Heath winning Heath Ledger winning Golden Globe, the Academy Award for Best mm-hmm. Supporting Actor, and the, all to, the other awards for? It looks like actually. Let me see. Yeah, it won two. It won for supporting actor and for sound editing. But oh, it was also. But it was also also nominated for cinematography, visual effects, production design, editing, sound mixing, and makeup. Kind of weird that it went for sound editing but not sound mixing. Usually the same film wins both. So I don't know what happened there. That is bizarre. Um, so the Academy really shined the light on Heath. Mm-hmm. What did seeing Kyle, seeing Heath win the Academy Award for, you know, a comic book portrayal. What did you, what did you think of that? Because Nicholson was nominated for a Golden Globe, I believe, for mm-hmm. the Joker, if I remember correctly. But Heath actually winning the Academy Award. What does that mean to you as a fan of this genre? I mean, it's kind, it's kind of hard to really speak to that because to me, the Dark Knight as a whole just kind of transcends the genre. Like it you don't need to look at it as a comic movie. It's just a great movie. So the fact that Heath Ledger won seems kind of justified to me. It was definitely, like I mentioned, one of the most stand-up performances I've ever seen. So to me, he was most deserving of the, the award. Uh, but it, it's really neat that uh, the Academy, who, speaking frankly, has has a bit of a history of not really paying attention to the comic movies, was able to recognize where greatness lied. Same question, Sean. And this, I'll ask one more question, then we'll call it a night. Yeah. So, I mean, the award circuit, it was great. I mean, I, it was so wonderful to see Heath being recognized over and over and over again for what was just, I mean, really such a terrific performance. And, you know, it was an all time performance, knew at the moment that I saw it, you know, even hell, I knew it before I even saw the whole thing. Um, and then, of course, reinforced when I actually saw the whole thing. But yeah, it just did. I mean, it was amazing to watch that and and to know that he just he really he really earned it. And I mean, it was a pretty big, uh, pretty good category of supporting actors that year. Like Josh Brolin was nominated for Milk. Downey was nominated for Tropic Thunder. And that Downey's performance in Tropic Thunder is amazing. Like. I I love him in that movie. He looks so pissed that he didn't win anything for him. <laughs> Any other year, he probably would have won a lot for it, but you know, he just went up against uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, and he just went up against an all-time performance. Philip Seymour Hoffman was nominated for Doubt that year, Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road. So, like, you see those names. Like, those are powerhouse actors. And I remember it was Kevin Klein because uh, they did something different that year. Like, instead of doing clips for the performances, they had previous... Uh, winners in the categories like describing what the you know the nominees had done in their films and it was Kevin Klein who did this the description of Heath Ledger's performance and it was just so um, you know getting to the Academy Awards I mean and it was pretty much a foregone conclusion because Heath had won everywhere else you know the Golden Globes he had won you know Screen Actors Guild just the whole the whole award circuit was just going his way mm-hmm. and uh, so you knew like what was going to happen but it was still just you know even though like 
But then again, there was a part of me that was still nervous because like I thought Dark Knight was going to get nominated for Best Picture and it didn't. So I was like, mm-hmm. is this going to be like the Academy's ultimate snub now for Dark Knight? <laughs> is that they're going to have was like that Heath won't win. Uh, but thankfully he won. And yeah, and it wasn't the only win for the film that night, but certainly uh, the one that, that got the most attention and, and rightfully so with his performance. So it was uh, it was great. It, it was I absolutely loved it. And it was almost enough to make up for the fact that I was so mad that Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I mean, I to this day, I don't understand how a movie like Frost Nixon or, you know, <laughs> Curious Case of Benjamin Button. See, everybody, everybody remembers The Reader because that's the movie that people that got the spot. That's the movie that got the fifth spot that people thought was going to go to The Dark Knight. But The Reader is a better movie than Frost Nixon or or Benjamin Button like but it, for whatever reason you know they just the academy wasn't ready to give uh to give the dark knight a nomination and it's really a shame too cuz like even though they expanded the even though they went ahead and they expanded the category of best picture to now allow up to 10 films like they did that in the wake of the dark knight but it frankly hasn't resulted in another comic book movie being nominated uh in place of dark knight uh, it just hasn't happened um I think this year is the first is the first year since Dark Knight where there is I don't want to say go as far as to say realistic. I guess I'll say it's at least realistic. I think Black Panther has a chance to do some of this stuff, uh, you know, to maybe finally take that next leap of getting something nominated. I thought maybe Logan had a chance last year and it did get best adapt a best adapted screenplay nomination, which never happens for these movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I wish I could say that, like, you know, this snubbing of the Dark Knight really opened doors for a lot of other comic book movies. But so far it hasn't because, you know, the Academy really hasn't changed their mind about uh, how much they really how much how seriously they really want to take these movies. Like we haven't seen an acting performance uh, nominated since uh, since Heath's and which is not to say that there have been any others that have come along that have been better. But there have been some other pretty great ones to come along. Uh, and just none of those performances ever even came close to being nominated. Like I thought Hugh Jackman should have been nominated for best actor for Logan last year, but that didn't happen. So it's, uh, you know, the, the award circuit stuff, it's, it's great for Heath, but you know, but it, it also kind of goes to show you as we're looking at the 10th anniversary though, like you can get hung up on the award stuff, but it's best not to because 10 years later, what films getting talked about more than anything else like dark Knight. You know, I mean, even with all due respect to that year's best picture winner, Slumdog Millionaire, like people are remembering The Dark Knight way more than they're remembering Slumdog. Like the ultimate test for these movies, it's always time. And The Dark Knight is standing that test better, is, you know, scoring better on that test than any of the other films from 20, uh, from 2008, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. What's the lasting legacy of The Dark Knight, Sean? And then after, let's go to right to Kyle. I think it's hard to really evaluate the the lasting legacy of the dark Knight. I, I guess it's not quite what I thought it would be. It's the film itself I think is, is great. And it, the lasting legacy is, is that it will, you know, maybe one day another film comes along and knocks it off the top, you know, the top of the mountain to be widely hailed as the greatest comic book movie of all time. But so far that hasn't happened so far. Most people still put dark Knight at the very top. And, uh, and so I, I think worst case scenario for the dark Knight is even if there are other movies that maybe come along and, and become worthy challengers to it, the dark Knight will always be in the conversation 
for that top spot. You know, I don't think it's ever going to be completely removed from that from that spot. And so there's that part of it. You know, the individual film itself, Heath Ledger's performance, all of those things, like, as I've said, they stand the test. Of, they're standing the test of time. They're doing that very, very well. The movie completely holds up 10 years later. Not that 10 years is a super long period of time, I know, but I have no doubt that this movie is 10 years from now, the movie's still going to hold up. 20 years from now, still going to hold up, and so on. The the only thing that's maybe a little bit different, and obviously it had a huge pop culture impact. It had an impact on the Oscars, and all of those things are going to be things that people will always kind of remember about the film. But the other part of it, though, is I don't really think very, I don't think there's been enough of people like kind of picking up that, picking up the ball and running with it, you know, successfully and doing things that the Dark Knight did, uh, which, I mean, there have been a lot of other great comic book movies since the Dark Knight. So I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to bash the genre or anything like that. Um, and I will say that in their own way, I do kind of feel like Marvel has pulled from this. I mean, in the same way that that the Dark Knight emphasizes its place as like a modern crime thriller, like we've seen Marvel doing a lot of that, like they make a movie like Winter Soldier, where it's a, yes, it's a superhero movie, but it's also a political, you know, but it's a political thriller. Um, and they, you know, we see Marvel kind of playing with genre a lot with their movies. And so I think some of that is the influence of the Dark Knight. Some of that you know, is part of the legacy of the Dark Knight. But I also feel like other movies kind of have come along and taken the wrong lessons from it. And that's not the Dark Knight's fault, but it is still something that makes me, when you think about legacy and you think about influence, I feel like some other people have tr have tried to go from that territory, but maybe kind mm -hmm. of sort of drop the ball in some places. Um, you know, like, for example, and it's not, not just, it's really not that specific to Dark Knight's Dark Knight slash Batman Begins, like, you know, that first amazing Spider-Man movie was trying to be like a dark Spider-Man movie. And like, yep. like, you know, here's our Nolan Spider-Man. Well, it's like, no, that doesn't really fit. And even some of the things like in, within DC that they've done with some properties, like even some of the stuff they've done tonally with Superman, while I like Man of Steel, there are other things where it's like you're trying too hard to be the Nolan Batman version of Superman where you could really just, you know, you could change that up a bit more. And so it's... It is a, a complicated legacy of the Dark Knight in terms of its overall influence on the genre. But again, you can't really hold that against the film because, you know, that's just other people trying to do what it did and not doing as well with it uh, or, or learning, taking the wrong lessons from it. Uh, but as far as the film itself, it's an all time great and pretty much always will be considered that. So for as long as there as long as there are people like us around talking about comic book movies, the Dark Knight's going to be at the very top in that conversation for the best comic book movie of all time, uh, or it's going to be, you know, at least in the conversation for being, you know, at least it, it will always be part of the debate. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it really did set that benchmark very high. Uh, like I said, it's just constantly being compared to other things. You know, obviously we got questions like, Oh, how, you know, how is Christian Bale compared to the other Batman's? How does, how does mm -hmm. Joker compare to how other villains compared to the Joker? You know, that's, I think this is something that we're going to be hearing for many, many, many years. Um, like how before this came around, we'll probably, you know, obviously we're probably hearing a lot of comparisons to other classic comic movies, like maybe 89 Batman characters and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. So it's just kind of like an evolution. And once in a while you get that, get that movie that breaks through to the next level. And I feel like that's what the, the dark Knight was. Um, who knows when that next big jump will be. If there ever is one, you never know. Mm -hmm. We might just eventually get to a point where we just accept this as like the Citizen Kane comic book movies. Who knows? 
could happen. I feel like, it, yeah, I feel like it might be. I, I almost feel like, you know, for most people, like, don't even, like, entertain the idea of another comic book <laughs> movie being better than this one. Like, this is just the unquestioned, you know, top dog, and then everything else is, like, an argument for second place. In a lot of ways, it feels like that. Definitely with Heath Ledger and his performance specifically, like, Every time we see a great villain performance, especially every time we've seen one in the past 10 years, nobody says that's the best comic book villain or best movie villain of all time. What they might say is that's the best comic book villain or best movie villain since Heath Ledger. Yeah. But like they won't go as far as to say like <laughs> it's on that level. I don't really think anybody's quite matched him. Uh, you know, I think there are maybe some performances that have come fairly close uh i mean i and when i say fairly, i mean like like within like reasonable enough distance that if these things were on like the same you know that they could sort of almost be on the same plane of existence or they're not looking up that high to like get to see heath ledger right. even though his performance is still above theirs i think like uh you know oh I, I, well, I mean and maybe i like it more than most but like tom hardy's bane in rises uh and I think we had two this year. I think with, between with Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger in Black Panther and Josh Brolin as Thanos in Infinity War, but still, I'm not ready to put either of those quite on that Heath Ledger, <laughs> Joker level. And I think that, and and I think most people are are not able to really do that. And it and it's hard because The Dark Knight is such a good film, and Heath Ledger's performance is so amazing that they're on a level where you can't immediately place anything else there, you know, upon first viewing, like historically you might be able to look back and say there were other movies that were, that were just as good or almost as good and other performances that were just as good or almost as good. But now we all have such reverence for the dark Knight in the Joe and Heath Ledger's Joker specifically. And rightfully so, uh, that yeah, it's hard to even entertain the idea of anything else being quite that good again. It's like, we probably wouldn't even recognize it if we saw it. Right. <laughs> it'd be so hard alright well I think that is going to wrap up this episode here uh, before we close it out I want to give a huge shout out to Justin for putting together this little round table today and huge shout out to Sean for coming on and being a wonderful guest and uh, also a huge shout out to Ali Gazelbech for being our top patron for the month of June thank you for listening and have a wonderful day